episode number 90, 90 with our friend here, Aaron Singerman. Good to have you on, buddy. Thank you for having yes. me. I was, by the way, nice I was going to have you yeah. uh, wear a mask at first <laughs> because I know you felt uncomfortable about it, especially yes. since uh, Arnold Classic, everyone's required to wear a mask. I wanted to make sure you felt comfortable yes, about that. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I opted not to, but uh, it, would, it would definitely make me more comfortable to be breathing into the mask and be overheating. I can, uh, by the way, Aaron, for people that don't know your background, so CEO and founder of Redcon, mm-hmm. Our guys who go to your gym, you know, they swear by your gym. Yeah. They say it's like the church. You've for been, en- you know. It's a sick gym. For legi- you got to go to one of the things that he does where everybody pushes to see who maxes out the most bench press, all this stuff. There's like 150 people there. Uh, I got to be honest. I didn't like his gym. I like being the strongest guy in the gym. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't the strongest guy in his gym. <laughs> yeah, there's, some, there's yeah. a beast in the gym. That's you, for sure. you, you he doesn't like, like, like competition. He's yeah. more socialist. He doesn't uh, yeah, like competition. Yeah, that, that's me. Yeah, he, <laughs> he wants to go to a place where he's Actually, the he, man. He's got a, one of his trainers. When, when I did the 525 yeah. press over here, which none yeah. of the people in the comments believed is real, by the way. But did the 525 press at your gym. One of the guys goes, uh, cool, man. Good warm-up set. And then he walks by. That's bullshit. Gi- giant Seriously. Dude. Yeah, all under armor, head to toe. He was like, he's like, I'm just playing, bro. Pounds it out. You know you're big. Great comment, by the way. Yeah, good yeah. for him. Good one. You know you're big when you go to give a pound, and this dude had to get around his peck to give me the pound. Okay? <laughs> he did the no, around I mean, listen, about. If you're insecure about your body, Redcon's going to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> people are in shape, yeah, right? Yeah, people are in shape. So yeah. t- tell us the story of Redcon. Tell us the story of Redcon. Ah, well, I'm gonna, I'll have to give you the fast story, but the uh, the story of Redcon is uh, I've been in love with sports supplements, really bodybuilding and fitness as a kid, and uh, I was pa- super passionate about bodybuilding and fitness, and um, I kind of got lost along the way and had some problems with drugs, pretty bad problems with drugs, and when I finally got out of that life, basically, I thought to myself, what do I love doing? At the time, I was a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, this was, is in New Orleans? Yeah. Uh, well, in New Orleans, so I was, uh, I was in New Orleans, uh, went to Baton Rouge to go to college, even though I didn't go to college. That was the plan. Yeah. Anyway, I became a trainer there. Ended up moving back to New Orleans, and then Hurricane Katrina happened. And so I was an evacuee for Hurricane Katrina and on drugs at the time and moved to Houston. And I was a, uh, living in a FEMA apartment uh, that was provided by the Holy government. Holy moly. Yeah. And I was spending all my money on, on heroin and no, no electricity, reading books by candlelight for entertainment in Houston in the summer, which you can imagine was gross. And, uh, yeah, and, and I eventually got out of that. And then that's a, it's a whole long story. But I got out of that through some big cataclysmic event. And when that happened, uh, I thought to myself, as a, I, was, I was a trainer to make money. That's what I always fell back on, being a personal trainer. I was pretty good at that, and uh, it paid pretty good, and uh, didn't require a lot of education, which I had none. I never went to high, I never finished high school. So um, while I was doing uh, personal training, I had a guy there that I, was really look, that I looked up to, and he had a Porsche, a new 911 Turbo. And what I, year is this? This is um, 2006. Okay, got it. So 2006. And, uh, 911, new turbo, sick, yeah, Porsche. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I always loved nice things, even though I never thought I'd afford anything yeah. nice. And so I went up to him and I said, man, how do I get a Porsche like that? It was like just like, like an offhand comment. Yeah. And he goes, you'll never get a Porsche like that. And at first I was like super offended, like I'm never going to get one, you know? And uh, he goes, do you love personal training? And I said, I mean, I like it. He's like, do you love it, though? And I was like, not, not really. He's like, I can tell. He's like, I love training people. I love coming here every day. I look forward to it. I mm. write programs at night. Yeah. I call my clients. I, you know, I love it. I, I love every minute of it. And that's why I got the Porsche. And that's why you won't get one. And I was like, damn. If, you know, you, what a you, perspective, though. But when he said it and how yeah. he said it, it made me really feel. I felt it. Like, yeah. I was like, damn, he's right. I'm not going to get a Porsche. Mm. And, uh, and so he said, um, think of the things that you really, really love and figure out how to make money doing that. Don't be a trainer because you don't love it. 
And I went home and I was real honest with myself and it took a real like mental inventory because I was in that kind of state of mind, just coming off of drugs, yeah. feeling like where, where am I going? What's the point of everything? And so I thought, what is the only thing I could think of that I love consistently from, from 13 years old to 26 years old was bodybuilding. But as you know, bodybuilding is a genetic thing. So uh, being a tall, naturally tall, skinny Jewish guy, the potential to be yeah. uh, Mr. Olympia or to make any kind of money as a bodybuilder is extremely limited, super, super limited. And I'm sure you also know the, the bodybuilders that make any kind of money at all. There's you know a handful at most. So um, what's the right height? Five nine, five ten. Is that the height? Five eleven is probably the really the the if you have great genetics, it's probably the. Is Ronnie five? Was it Ronnie, Ronnie was five eleven? Okay, yeah. got it. Um, Ronnie Coleman's only five eleven. Yeah. Yeah, but he's seven feet tall, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think 5'11 is the ultimate height. Dorian was about 5'11 also. You know, Lee Haney was 5'11. So that's probably like the ideal, but you have to be able to fill it out, you know? And, uh, at six two six three, it's it's very. I mean, you have to be a very special, genetically gifted person. You know, that was the number one reason why I walked away from bodybuilding. Too tall. Yeah, too tall. Yeah, like mean, just me too, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, me too. I mean, I tried and I. Yeah, and me too. Yeah, of course, David. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, by the way. Appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so instead, I realized there is money around bodybuilding. So I looked at the sport of bodybuilding, and I looked up pe- like pe- people like Peter McGuff, who is the the editor in chief of Flex Magazine. Yeah. You know, um, people like. Uh, truly, you know, Joe Weider, obviously, and Ben Weider, uh, two Jewish guys from Canada, so that created, you know, the world of bodybuilding. They crushed it. They, they crushed it. Yeah. Made billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then other people uh, that were surrounding the sport that I admired, uh, like Dan Solomon, because he was doing Pro Bodybuilding Weekly at the time, uh, Bob Ciccarello, and these guys were making money. Not, mm-hmm. not a fortune by any means. Yeah. No, no Joe Weider kind of fortune. But I said, you know, maybe I could do something like that. Maybe I could write. Maybe I could figure something out. And so what I did was I started um, right, right away, started sending articles to magazines for free. And I started posting on all these bodybuilding forums that really don't exist anymore now. We have social media. Instead of using a name like Swolgun69, I used Aaron Singerman in hopes of, like, nobody was doing that. Unless you're a pro bot. Unless it was like Sean Ray or somebody. Yeah. Um, nobody ever put their real name. So I put my name in hopes of somebody noticing. And I would post any free time I had when I wasn't training people. I would be doing something actively to get into the bodybuilding and fitness world. And then I did. And uh, we did a, a radio show, a podcast, 100 episodes of one called Off Topic Radio. And that led me to uh, start working for Dave Palumbo at RX Muscle. Mm-hmm. And from RX Muscle. Good guy, by the way. Yeah, good guy, yeah. of course. He was uh, my, my boss for my last boss I ever had. Um, and uh, I worked for him, worked my way up from doing the podcast with him to covering shows all over the world with him to eventually taking over and being the editor in chief of the site and running all of the, literally running the business. Um, and during that time, I had a child, my first son, Asher, who's nine. I don't think you met Asher yet. What a name, bro. <laughs> I was what a say. name, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, what are the Crazy. chances of that? Yeah. You know, Asher, like, uh, do you know the history of Asher? Like The the name? Yeah. I think so. What was the, what's the it's history? It's an Assyrian name. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. King Asher. Like, King Asher. Asher is, like, a, a, a very powerful name. I'm writing a fiction book right now. The main character's name is? Asher. Asher. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Good name. And, and uh, Aiden and Elijah are the three, my three boys. Beautiful names, bro. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, we, uh, anyway, so when Asher was really, when she was pregnant with Asher, yeah. I realized that I wasn't making enough money to support a family. And so for me, the dream was literally my, my whole life dream at that point was to make enough money having fun doing something I love doing. And I wasn't like aspiring to, you know, buy anything fancy. Just, had, had you had gotten clean at this point? Yeah, I'd been clean. Uh, by the time I met Darielle, I'd been clean for uh, a few years. So uh, nothing good happened while I wasn't clean. Mm-hmm. So I was doing I was doing intravenous heroin and, and cocaine and it was like a mess, like mm-hmm. legit stuff, like yeah. like the, 
you know, hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, intravenous for, you know, we, I would do 100 injections a day of cocaine. Holy moly. 100 injections yeah. of cocaine a day. Yeah, well, I was living with a girl who sold cocaine. Uh, so she, her, uh, this is a whole, this is a whole story. Well, the guy did tell you, you, you got to do what you love. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, well, that was his advice. Yeah. Like the cocaine. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, I met I met a girl, this is before Darielle, obviously, and she sold cocaine. Her, her boyfriend was, or her boyfriend or fiance or something, had been killed in a drug deal. And so she didn't know what to do. She continued dealing with the people, not the people that killed him, but the people that he would buy it from. Yeah. And then it turned out all the gangbangers loved her because she's this little tiny white girl and they didn't feel threatened by her. Yeah. So they loved dealing with her. And I she would can walk leave. around Bourbon Street no problem whatsoever. Yeah, yeah this is in Houston. This is in oh, Houston. Oh, okay, gotcha. You wouldn't want a little, the little girl on Bourbon Street. It's kind of dangerous these mm-hmm. days. Um, but uh, Unless if you're with her. Yeah. Yeah. With- then, then 525 pounds. That's got, a lot I of safety. I got beads. I got beads on beads. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that was the reason why is she she ended up, you know, being able to give it to me for free. So that we had a kind of unlimited supply. Um, eventually, the reason why I left and changed my life was some a friend of ours died in the in the in her uh, apartment, and we got into this huge fight because she wanted me to move his body, and I, I knew enough about you know yeah. I've watched enough. At, yeah, S, was it uh, CIS? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched enough. She wanted enough you to commit a, a massive yeah. felony. Yeah. yeah, she wanted me to move his body, yeah. which you know he died accidentally moving his body. She wanted to take it down to the truck and drive away and leave what, it somewhere. What an appropriate uh, guest, right after Sammy Gravano. Yeah. this is this is very appropriate. Yeah. We yes. just had Sammy great. right behind you, so this hardcore man. Yeah, I mean, that's hardcore. I mean, that's that's the literal definition of too much of a good thing or a bad thing, man. I mean, how long how long were you were you doing that for? I mean, that's you're very uh, lucky to be alive. Obviously. Of course, know that. Of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, I was doing like really like the hardcore stuff for probably um, four years or so. Started with Oxycontin and then you know, kind of graduated up from there. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, I was doing Oxycontin in New Orleans, but when we moved for Hurricane Katrina, I didn't know where to find it anymore. Yeah. And so I literally went to the hood and walked around and asked for heroin. Well, I, I've heard that story so many times. So many ex, ex-athletes, so many guys yeah. I played with, you know, g- great guys that – you know, they, they were taking Percocet and they oh, were yeah. taking Oxy just so they can play. They were never partying, anything like yeah. that. I've, I've talked about it extensively. And then the game's done with you. And, uh, you know, they're just, all right, see you later. You and you don't get to tell your body you're not addicted to the opiates anymore. And the next thing you know, a guy who was a first-round draft pick is mainlining heroin out, you know, two two years later. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, By the way, the other day I interviewed a doctor who uh, is a opioid expert. And he gave a TED, TED Talk. So I had him on. And the statistics in tw- 2010... 10,000 people died in America from opioid. You know what the numbers last year? I can't even imagine. 96. Lo- what? Crazy. Thousand. You had to be. They locked yeah. people up with anxiety yeah, and, pretty... and drug addiction and didn't let them out. How yeah. much of that is due to the, all the COVID lockdowns? Yeah, they just lock them in a room. It's the worst. Well, even, being... even the number in 19 was 49,000. But last year's spike apparently was a major spike. Pe- people, a lot of times. One um, site said 72,000. One site said 96,000. A lot of so. it's fentanyl, too. Yeah. The fentanyl oh, dude. And, I, and I, I don't know what you think about this, but a lot of the friends that I've dealt with and a lot of the people that, that I've dealt with in my life that struggle with addiction, they really didn't even have a drug problem so much as they had a reality problem. They just didn't want to be in escape. reality. They yeah. had to escape. Yeah. They're, they're, they couldn't get out of their past. Well, and they had undiagnosed depression. I, I think a lot of us go through it, but some of us, we have a different source for escaping it. Some yeah. it's alcohol, some it's mm-hmm. gambling, some it's partying, some it's women, some it's pot. Some, some it's prayer. It's, yeah, some it's, it's prayer, but it in this case, it was you know a different... Uh, but you do see you do see this a lot also in that if people are able to rechannel that addictive personality yeah. into a positive environment, Done. 
you'll work 20 hours yeah. a day when somebody and not even think twice well, about well, it. Well, that's the thing is so being addicted to, to heroin is is a constant job. It's like a job that never ends. You don't have a break because when you're either searching for heroin, you're doing heroin, and then immediately you're thinking about when are you going to get the next heroin. In my case, you know, I was hustling to try to make money to get money to buy heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I never hurt anybody or hurt myself, but you know, I was constantly slinging this to get money for that to, to buy more heroin. So it's never ending. You know, yeah. constant job. So, Aaron, how skinny did you get at that that four year period? Were you pretty yeah. skinny or not really? No, it's funny. I the one consistent thing was going to the gym and got taking. It. When I was really bad off, my parents always uh, you didn't pay for much, but they got me a gym membership and they always got me protein powder. So until I was doing um, really cocaine and I wouldn't sleep for days and I wasn't even drinking water or eating anything. Yeah. It, it, for, until I got to doing cocaine, I was you know reasonable two twenty or so. You were, you were two twenty on heroin. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't fit the typical thing, you know. Uh, yeah, but then when when cocaine, probably like one eighty. Got it. Yeah, that's still that's still big though, because the guys that I knew who got on heroin or cocaine, uh, I mean, take the height difference. It's just yeah. they get very. They just don't look healthy at all. Yeah, yeah. But continue on, on how the, how Redcon comes about. So um, so anyway, I was working for Palumbo. I was the editor in chief, and when uh, Darielle got pregnant with Asher, when we got pregnant with Asher. Um, something changed in my mind, just like when I was something changed with the drugs and and, and seeing the, the the body of my friend, and that that ended up where Jennifer was punching me in the face, and I had turned around and ran out of the apartment and never saw her again. She ended up being beaten to death a few months later by these same guys that she would buy drugs from. Holy, so it was a really like that. Not only was a wake up call, but it was reinforced quickly after when I found out she had been killed. Um, so so from that to that kind of switch in my mind happened again when I realized Asher's coming. I can't just you know live on the minimum i have to be able to provide and so uh once again i looked around bodybuilding and found who's making money in bodybuilding it's sports supplements i've always loved sports supplements i've always been into them i was taking mm-hmm. them uh when i was younger i thought they were the solution to everything i always had to have the acetabol and the best you know acetabol uh, and wild yeah. muscle tech crazy muscle tech. yeah that's yeah. what i needed I me mean, i thought that that was the secret yeah. if i just had enough metrics packets i would be likely haney you know that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really what I animal pack back in the day yeah. animal pack yeah. yeah that's really what i thought so yeah. i was i was always into supplements and the science of supplements and because of all the relationships that I built along the way with Dave Palumbo, traveling the entire world, basically looking for, you know, um, the the next relationship, even though I didn't know it was going to be, I didn't realize I was networking, even though I was networking. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I started looking around, realizing, okay, I can do something else, I started uh, becoming uh, more and more into marketing and, uh, and understanding uh, digital advertising sales and uh, the Google, the possibilities with Facebook as they were just becoming, you know, doing monetizing Facebook. And so I ended up becoming the, uh, the marketing director for a supplement company. And uh, that supplement company, uh, I was there for about a year and a half before we ended up being able to save up enough money to start our own supplement company. And that company ended up being the, uh, the 27th on the Inc. fastest growing uh, privately owned companies. And um, through that, I met a lot of other people uh, celebrities like Kai Green, Dana Lynn Bailey, Rob Bailey, C.T. Fletcher, and I started making supplement lines for them. So I would design the line, I would handle the marketing, we handle the fulfillment. White label type of model, or we come up with all new formulas. Okay, I do a whole it. new everything. Yep. And uh, because th- most of these guys are getting, you know, some of them like Dana at one point was making like four grand a month from MHP. She should have been making fifty grand a month when she was at her height of her yep. popularity. Yep. So I said very easy, like, hey, your your fan base is already buying all these shirts from the company Flagner Fail. Yep. Why don't you take that and cross promote it? You know, you take those customers who are sometimes some days they're selling twenty thousand you know orders a day on their site. Why would you get four grand a month to sell somebody else's supplements? May as well make your own, right? I can handle it all. So I started doing that and making other brands, and uh, and then Redcon One started when the when the other company when I left, I had a big partnership dispute in the past company, and when I left that, um, I when we when I left, I did it instead of a non compete, I did a compete. 
like, hey, so you know, I'm signing off, I'm going to compete against you. And, uh, and my former partner didn't care because he just wanted to be the boss. And so when I left, I immediately started Redcon 1. And the idea was to take all of the successes of the past companies and then, uh, you know, take an honest look at them and then, you know, really push those, amplify those and take a look at the, the failures and kind of remove them, you know, and take an honest assessment on what we really want to be, who do you really want to stand for. And in supplements, nobody, uh, as far as I know, in the history of supplements have really decided beforehand, what are they going to stand for? Who are you going to be? Create a, a brand package, you know, a brand filter to put everything through and look at things instead of having a really awesome ingredient, a really awesome product, yeah. have a really awesome brand mm. that stands for something that people want to support the brand, not just buy the awesome pre-workout or get a great deal. Like your brand attracts a lot of military you guys yeah. a lot of yeah. veterans and yes. veterans love your brand like on redcon purpose. yeah that's on purpose I'm yeah, assuming. Of course. Yeah, yeah i would bet so in the beginning yeah. when, when before uh when me and eduardo and eric hart and a few other guys said eduardo down, is he military are you former military no, no, no. okay no. he looks like military no i'm not no no, no, okay. no. all right so um, he looks like a chief of staff how yeah. about that yes he looks okay. like a chief of staff um so anyway um when um when we sat down and starting another supplement company as you know there's thousands of supplements. Yep. I mean, it's a very competitive space. There's new ones coming out all the time, especially now the minimum runs are small. So because people, like if you want to be the CEO of a supplement company, if you got 50 grand, we can make it for you and you're going to be the supplement company uh, CEO and you'll have your own brand, right? And as a result of that, you have hundreds, I mean, thousands of brands every year that come and go. And, uh, and I realized we had to have some differentiating factor that was major. It couldn't just be whatever new company, blah, blah, blah. It needed to have something, a name that worked, that was catchy, that was short, that was memorable that was easy to spell, be able to get a great URL that was short, easy to spell, ideally have it mean something meaningful to the name. Um, obviously, you don't need that because like, you know, Amazon or plenty of companies just have sure. a short name. But yep. um, So when we were looking for it, we were looking, we had two guys we wanted to put on the team, two Navy SEALs, uh, Brandon Cruz and Ryan Bates. These guys are the most charismatic, athletic, great guys. Both of them worked for Steve Wynn, their senior protection for him. They had two weeks on, two weeks off, and so they had time to do it. So we had this bodybuilder, Dallas McCarver, who was this young phenomenon and like this stud of a guy. He was a guy. guy that was coming up. Uh, he passed away at, what, 26 years old? I don't yeah. know how old he yeah, was. Yeah, he was 26, yeah. yeah. He was a superstar. I, he, pa he passed out one time uh, in a posing. Yeah. His body locked up and he just he couldn't in even In Australia. Yeah, yeah, in Australia. Australia. Yeah, he was great, great guy. Is that the one where the criticism Chad Nichols got for Dallas? There was some kind of a... Yeah. I don't know who it was. It Sean Ray feud with Chad? I don't remember. There was something that was going he on got that some, time. Yeah, I'm sure it was Sean Ray. Can, yeah. can you guys take a minute and unpack that for me? I don't know. This guy This guy died while he was posing? Yeah, if you can pull up, is uh, just type in Dallas McCarver. Dallas, so, M-C-A-R, and then he'll pull up. He was arguably arguably the, the most potential young bodybuilder in, in many, many, many years. And he was six foot two. Uh, and uh, walked around at 365 pounds. But it's 365. But his first name Dallas, um, McCarver. Yeah, he's uh, a competing right over right competing over 300 pounds. There, there you is. go. Yeah. Let's see if you can find a good picture. Okay, so I took that picture down. Go to there. images. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, mean the guy's physique. He just that's a picture. That's a good one. That was one of the and towards the end there. By the way, that's a 25 year old. Yeah, 25 years old. Think about that. He That's was 25. He was 308 how, how pounds. Did he, how did he pass away? Heart, heart, genetic heart issue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know. We never knew, but both of his uncles, his mom told us, passed away at a heart attack in their 40s. So, I mean, I'm sure everything else didn't help being a pro bodybuilder and everything. But, you know, it was definitely a genetic thing. And uh, Was he pushing it too hard? Was, he, was his body, body fat too low? That's the well? story some people say, that okay. he was, you know, kind of going above and beyond than what everybody else was, uh, you know, going. But... 
you know, who knows? There's many different stories to yeah. this. I'm just speculating based truth, on what a lot of people have said. The truth is, too, that yeah. bodybuilding is an extreme sport. Yeah. So they're all pushing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every one of them is pushing it, and they all understand that it's it's extreme sport. It's risky, you know, like hand gliding or some shit. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous sport, F1 racing. You, I've never heard it explained that way before, but that's a, it really is. I mean, is. You, you know, the body turning, you know, you're, you're experimenting on yourself like a chemistry yeah. set almost. I mean, and you get something like insulin just a little bit wrong, and that's it. No. That's how, how big is Redcon today? How big in terms yeah. of employees or revenue? Give me all of it. Like we're, whatever we're, stat you're we're, comfortable we're in, the, we're in the nine figures in revenue. Okay. Uh, and uh, heading towards, you know, our valuation of, you know, close to probably about half a billion dollars right That's now. fucking amazing. 250 employees. And you are founder and CEO of the company. Yeah. Congratulations Thank to you. To Thank go you. from Thank that you. story to this story, this tells you capitalism yeah, work and America's yeah. a great country to be oh, in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No what, a, what a 180 story. So let, let's go to a couple things, current events with your, uh, with your business. So. Yeah. I, uh, I keep hitting this, guys, and it, the audio is kind of getting a little bit. Uh, next time, George, when you do it, move it further left. It's too close to my legs. So I, I'll tell you guys how I like that to be done. Okay. So uh, you made a couple comments about Arnold. Arnold came out and said, screw your freedom. And you're one of the bigger sponsors for Arnold in regards to the Arnold Classic he does every year, which apparently a quarter million people show up in Ohio every yeah. single year when he does. It's a massive Have you ever deal. been? I've never been to Arnold it's Classic. Big, yeah, big. I hear it's just something else. Even... In some cases, even bigger than Olympia when it comes down to people well, in showing terms, up. In terms of the expo and the amount of events there, they're not even close, to be honest. The actual, the actual bodybuilding show itself, they're, they're, uh, I would say the Olympia is still ahead. Of course. Um, but the actual event, no, it's yeah. not even close. Why do you think that is? You, 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 do you, uh, Arnold has a lot of events there, so everything well, from cheerleading. Let me, let me not go on the Olympia side because that always gets me in trouble, although I'm going to get in trouble, I'm comfortable <laughs> with this. So go back to uh, Arnold Classic. Yeah. So. You normally sponsor, and it's not like it's a ten dollars ten thousand dollars sponsorship no, or fifty thousand. No. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a few with hundred, them every a few hundred thousand. Dollars, what yeah. caused you to not want to support the Arnold Classic? So it's pretty it's pretty simple. You know, I saw that um, that clip of him saying, you know, if you don't wear a mask or take a vaccine, you're a moron or a schmuck, and uh, if it bothers you and, and it messes with your freedoms a little bit, screw your freedoms. And it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Me and my wife, I mean, we watched it. We were on a trip, a vacation, my first week vacation ever. Um, we, went to, um, uh, we went to Montana and then Wyoming. To, nice. Yeah, it was, really, it was really cool. Brought all the kids, and it was a great trip. Sick. So we're on the trip, and we saw the clip, and she and me watched it. And I'm like, you know, both of us watched it, and we're like, damn, that really sucks that he said that. And then the, the, the Arnold's coming up, and they want, you know, they want uh, us to be the exclusive sponsor of the webcast. We were one of the five main sponsors of the show. We were doing uh, stuff at the after party. We, ha- we were very, very involved. Um, and the the guy, the main guy, Brian Powers, who's really running the event right now, is calling me and texting every day. And it's like for advice and stuff. And I was on the, the or was going to be on the panel that helped Arnold and advised him on how to continue to grow the, the festival and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, I told her, I'm like, damn, this guy came from Austria, had had nothing, created this the empire, this, this uh, iconic, you know, Brand Arnold Brand, everything about him is great. I love him. I looked up to him as a kid, and now he says this. And uh, if he stayed in Austria, he wouldn't be shit. He'd be like a charismatic farmer or something, you know? Like, what would he be? He'd be a police officer or whatever. I mean, what what is the upside? What's the potential? The reason why he got famous is because Joe Eater gave him the opportunity to move to America. Yeah. Him and Franco started their own business, and he went to college and he got movies and became the guy. I mean, everything he's done is so awesome. Something that I really look up to. 
I love Arnold's rules of success. Great you know, book, by the way, yeah. Total Recall. If you haven't read it, you got to read Total yeah, Recall. Yeah, great. Yeah. And yeah, Arnold's uh, rules for success. I mean, he's probably got a few hundred million views with that one oh, yeah. speech he gives. Everybody, that's great. That's great. great video. Yeah. I love. I love the, one of the ones I like the best is you know I think he's I think it's six hours of sleep. So if you need any more, you sleep faster. I love, I love, I love <laughs> yes, I, I know. I love that. Um, so so that was a, that was a reason for you to so, step away. So yeah. So seeing that, you know, um, it just I needed to. I felt like it wasn't right um, to support him financially. Not that I didn't love the show. I mean, I'd love to be going this weekend. You know, it's coming up this weekend. I would love to be there. I'd love to, I, I enjoy the show. It's actually a good show for the brand. We have tons of fans that come, but it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right to support him. So I made a video that was very specific that I wanted to make sure don't, that I'm not saying cancel Arnold. I'm not saying don't go, do what you think's right. Very classy. You didn't disrespect him at no, all. I didn't, want, I didn't yeah. want it to be like that. Yeah. And I wanted it to be, you know, where, because like, I'm obviously not for cancel culture. I just think that people need to support people or not support people with their dollars. So, as a business owner or even an individual consumer, like if you don't believe what the thing stands for, you actually are making a difference. You're able to vote by not giving the dollars. So to send him a few hundred thousand bucks just sent, felt really wrong. So that was it. We did the video and then the, the, the blowback was like incredible. You know, hundreds of stories from everything from USA Today to Daily Mail to The Hill to everybody. Everybody covered it. Well, but Aaron, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Arnold fan, man. And, and you know, in, in all fairness to him, you know, like you said, he comes from Austria. So maybe, you know, English second language type of thing. Like maybe it's like, don't screw the maid. Like maybe it's the opposite. <laughs> I don't so, know. So that's the maybe, stuff that I, that's the stuff that so, I didn't want to Maybe it's like, say. you know, he, he said like, <laughs> so screw your freedoms funny. the same way somebody said, Arnold, don't screw the maid. And he's like, oh, so screw yeah. the maid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what Arnold Look, meant. Look, you know, in, in that, uh, the comment, when that comment was made, I mean, I had Arnold's posters in my room for God knows how many years. I'm sure you did yeah, as yeah, well. You course. know, the posters he's got, the muscle, one of the best ones was the one with Muscle Magazine, black and white of him mm. posing. I had it. It's beautiful. 24 by 36. Yeah. I would buy all those magazines yeah. just for that. Just this for guy. that. Yeah, when he had specials, you always bought the them. special Muscle Mike Flex edition, yeah. Arnold edition they would he's, do. He's standing on the RNC stage screaming at the country not to be economic girly men. <laughs> Remember this? I mean, th th this was... Yeah. He, he, he's, he's smoking his stogies. He's I smoke my stogies everywhere. Stogie, he tells it, yeah. you, know, you can't smoke a stogie in your, yeah. in your house. I can because I'm a man. Yeah. You know, like, this, 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 he is the physical embodiment of freedom. He is the physical embodiment of don't tell me what to do. And then he's got the absolute temerity the gall to say screw your freedoms this isn't about yeah. you because I'm older and I've already lived my dreams go stay in the house until I feel safe screw Arnold man so so court of, uh, are they still expecting to have 250,000 people show up or I seriously doubt it so now they have the mask mandate where every single person in Columbus was, must wear a mask everywhere they go including Outside competitors out that we don't know. That we don't know. If I he does that, oh my gosh, those pictures are going to be hilarious. If they make competitors uh, wear a mask, I don't think they will. I mean, I talked to uh, my good friend. <laughs> they'll, have, they'll have more covering hilarious. their face than the rest of their body. <laughs> I talked to uh, my good friend uh, Jim Mannion about it, and he said that he does not. There's no intention of having them wear yeah. masks on stage. So, I sure, I sure hope they don't because that'll be so ridiculous. I know a lot of competitors are not happy about the whole. What thing. does Jim Mannion think about Arnold Classic? Uh, well, it's the second biggest show in the, in the thing. I mean, in, in all of the organization, yeah. I think that he 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 likes it for sure. I mean, he I mean, yeah, I think he would, he definitely likes it. Yeah, got yeah. It. So he's a supporter of Arnold Classic. Yeah, he's a supporter of the show. Yeah, got it. Yeah, you, you said you said it would be ridiculous. I mean, just think about this. Eighteen months ago. Right? Like, do we even have a barometer for what is and isn't ridiculous anymore? I mean, in Jersey, I talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Jersey, this is a true story. They were having kids wrestling in a wrestling tournament, but for COVID reasons they weren't allowed to shake hands before or after the mat then wrestle each other oh my God. for eight minutes 
That's crazy. Wrestle each other. Can't shake hands after the match. You know, because protocols. So, I mean, what like what exactly is ridiculous anymore? Like, what's common sense? Do we even have a barometer on what it is and it isn't? No. I mean, the, we were in New York and they had asked for the vaccine passport at the, uh, at the restaurant, me and my wife. And they're like, well, you can still sit outside. And we're like, okay, whatever. We're hungry, right? So we walk in through the restaurant, all the way through the restaurant to the outdoor area. And they sit down. And I'm like, well, we just walked all through the entire restaurant. Yeah. And then when they came back, I'm like, so where do I go to the bathroom? She's like, oh, it's in the back over there. You can just go back. Yeah. It's like, that does none of it make sense. And Chris Rock telling everybody, get it. But yeah. he got sick, even uh, though he has it. So uh, get it so that people don't get sick like the people well, who already maybe, got Well, maybe it. we'll talk about what Howard Stern said about Rogan. Uh, uh, and by the way, apparently uh, my episode with Rogan apparently just went live like uh, 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 a couple hours ago. We'll Pat's talk competing about against Pat. No, that was <laughs> so funny because I'm getting text messages like we're watching a podcast, not your podcast. I'm like, all, right. yeah. uh, all good. People work. are clicking off now. <laughs> yeah, they're going over there. <laughs> Thank, thanks uh, for coming, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we got we got some stories to cover with that. But uh, uh, the one thing I do want to talk about when you're talking about Mr. Olympia, who's more powerful? In the bodybuilding world, Jake Wood or Jim Mannion? Oh, Jim Mannion, 100%. Not even close? Not even close. Even though Jake Wood owns Mr. Olympia. It's not even How does that work? How does that work? Well, how does I mean, Jim Mannion have more power than Jake Wood? Jake Wood owns Mr. Olympia. So how does everybody get to the Olympia? They have to go through the MPC, and then they have to go to IFBB Pro League shows. They have to qualify through a Pro League show. So if you, it, there's no way. The getting to the Olympia is the end result of all these steps you have to go through first. So if you removed uh, the, the everything in the beginning, nothing else exists. Got it. So... A Jim Mannion, does he benefit from uh, uh, the owner of Olympia uh, doing a better job marketing with the team he ha that they have, or Jim Mannion doesn't give a shit because whether Olympia does well or not, Jim's going to make his money? No, he cares for sure. Jim's still a huge bodybuilding fan. Oh, I, I know oh, that yeah. for a fact. Yeah. And Bob, I got to tell you, it doesn't matter who it is. Everybody that I talk to when the name Jim Mannion comes up, respect uh, uh, for that man at the highest level. And I'm talking including haters. Yeah. Respect. He's a, Jim, yeah. he's a great he's a great yeah. guy. Look, ultimately for me, my, I wouldn't even be I've told him this before. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for him because I wouldn't have loved bodybuilding. I wouldn't have had that outlet to go through. I wouldn't have been able to go to all those shows with Dave Palumbo. Yeah. All, all of it is really predicated yeah. on his work. Aaron, what happens to Mr. Olympia if they go the way they're going right now? Because to me, I watch some of their marketing. I mean, they got some guys I've had meetings with. I watch some of their marketing. I mean, I you know, if they go the way they're going right now. Uh, I have my own opinions. I'm curious, you know, you're in the world you're gonna all the time. You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to get me in trouble. I have a tendency of getting myself and everybody around me in trouble sometimes yeah. when we do interviews. But yes, yes, what, what do you think is going to happen if they go the way they're going right now in regards to marketing? Well, right now, I mean, it's a super tough time to have a live event. So obviously, the last year was uh, a loser because you couldn't, you couldn't possibly make it profitable. This one that's coming up, I know that they did better with ticket sales and, and uh, with the expo stuff. Um, but, I mean, obviously, the, the big thing is the expos in general are tough in the future because people want to have an experience. You know, the days of waiting in line to meet Jay Cutler and, and get him to sign an autograph are so different. Now you can see Jay on your phone and you can interact with him and you can, you know, it's not, no, there's no value in getting a, a photograph with Jay Cutler signed, right? It's not the same thing. So there needs to be some innovation in terms of like an experience. Like the NFL, you go to the Super Bowl and they yeah. have an experience you're going to there. So I think there's something more to be, to be done with that in the future. It's got to, because the, the old way of the Expo is going gonna, is gonna to fade away. So if they go the way they're going right now, what could potentially happen to Mr. Olympia brand? Well, if I mean, they go their, the way they're going right now. The thing is, is that Jake Wood is a, a very wealthy guy, and I think it depends on his appetite for keeping going, you know, 
and like not being, you know, this is a hobby and he loves it, which I know it is a hobby and he loves it. It just depends on how, how far he wants to take it unless he does some stuff to change, you know? It's interesting because you were talking about it before. The, the kind of the older business model was have a great product first and then your brand will evolve into your product. Like right. make the best steak in town and then that'll speak for itself. And now in the digital marketplace with social media, like you have to have a brand first. Like what's our identity and then we'll find a product to sell to that market that, you know, identifies with our brand, right? So it's it's kind of it's it feels like uh, the Olympia, from my understanding, is kind of that old school mentality where hey, look, we're still the best, we're still the premier name in bodybuilding, and that should be good enough, that should stand alone, and that's that's kind of how you get passed passed by. There's an entire generation. We were talking about this with Phil off the air. When I was a kid, I could name ten bodybuilders. I could name ten. Off the top of my head, I can name people that never won. I knew who Marcus Rule was. I knew who Gunther was. He was in he was in movies. Bodybuilders were in, in yeah. movies. They were in well, beer fest. The guys did a good job getting their bodybuilders on camera and marketing them. So people wanted to go above and beyond for the guy that was running Mr. Olympia. I, I can't name three active bodybuilders. Right so now. who do you think is going to compete in Mr. Olympia this year? Um, who's going to win or is this going to compete? Who's going to compete? Brandon Curry's won. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Rami, Brandon Curry. Uh, you got, uh, um, I mean... Let's see. I'm thinking of my guys. You got James Holland's head is obviously going to compete. He just moved down to Boca for the next few weeks. Nice. Yeah, which will be fun. Uh, uh, Ruli is going to be there. Ruli, uh, and then uh, who just backed out of the of the uh, Arnold? Uh, is Hadi going? Hadi is going to be there. William Bonac. William Bonac. Thanks, Eduardo. William Bonac. Uh, Steve Kuklo probably because he's probably going to win the Arnold because they're missing a lot of people uh, doing the Arnold now. Kuklo's going to win Arnold. I think good so. for him. Great so. guy, by the way. Yeah, a great guy. Great Very guy. good. He was guy. just here to visit. A few oh, days he's a, he's a fantastic guy. I like yeah. him a lot. He's yeah. a great guy. Who do you think is going to win it this year? Uh, I think Big Rami's going to win. I think Big Rami again back again. to back. I think so. I think so. You think he's going to go on to run like a five, six, seven, eight type of a run or no? I don't think so, but okay. I don't know. But the truth is, there's a lot of young guys that are up and coming yeah. now, um, and. Uh, and it's hard to say. It's hard. There's no. There's no like outlier. So like when Phil was coming up, he was an outlier. Where you looked at him and you're like, dude, this guy's gonna win forever. We don't have anybody like that. Do you have a, any desire to purchase Mr. Olympia yourself and you run it since it's your world? Sure, of course. You would want to do. Yes. What would you do if you're running it today? Uh, I would do a lot of things differently. Or you don't want to give the yeah, idea because all you don't want them to do. Like, why would you give it to them? They got to at least give you something yeah. to do it. I would absolutely uh, like to do it. I mean, it would just be fun for like. I mean, in terms of legacy, I would like to carry on that that, that legacy. Uh, one day, you know, if, if Jake Wood didn't want to do it anymore, you know? Yeah. You know. Do you think it has what it takes to be a billion-dollar brand by itself? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The sort of bodybuilding, I'm not sure if it has that kind of – first off, there hasn't been a real big push. You know, they tried to do something uh, – The Rock tried to do something recently with The Rock Show and stuff. Athletic and, yeah, yeah, which, which is – who knows if that's ever going to happen? Yeah. And then uh, because of COVID stuff, it's very difficult to plan a huge event like that right now. And then, um, and then the the fact that it is, it never really made it to TV. So there was one recently where they had like everything set up, and it was at the Olympia, and they had many cameras and and everything. And, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out and never got aired. And I don't even know why, but it was supposed to be on CBS Sports or something like that. Being off TV makes a big difference. You know, mm -hmm. when it was on TV, mm -hmm. it exposed yeah. a lot more. You know? well, well, there's a guy that's using TikTok. I, I forget his name. I just tried to look it up real quick. It's something with a D. He's hilarious. He's really funny. He's either German or he's some sort of Western European. And uh, he's a bodybuilder. And he, he's got like, I think, seven and a half, eight and a half million followers on TikTok. And he oscillates back and forth between doing training techniques and then like funny little sketches. And this, oh, this guy, the guy that does the chest stuff that. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I don't know what his I name know, is. But I know they, 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 they say you cannot. He's not a competitor, though. He's a he's a he's a Instagram he's a body. Oh, is that really what he he's is? Not a, he's not a professional. Oh, see, competitor. I didn't even know. I, see, yeah, I didn't even not, know that. He's not a professional. Okay, yeah. but he's got a ridiculous body. He's got a great physique, yeah, yeah. but he's not. 
which is which yeah. also makes bodybuilding a little more difficult because why be a bodybuilder when you can make, make more, more money, money doing that? Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. I have an idea. If we ran Mr. Olympia, I think the number one guys would make one to three million every year, and the purse would be much bigger. But that's if we ran it. But we don't. I do other things. Right. Okay. But if that was the case, it'd be a completely different thing, and the sport would be a little bit more creative. There'd be more fun. There would be more movies, shows, things like that. But again, we don't. Again, that's not our business model. We're not doing Mr. Olympia, and Jake Wood is not selling the brand anytime soon. But if he ever does, I think you're a qualified guy to also Thank run you. Mr. Olympia. Ah, yeah. What do you guys know about business? Yeah, we don't. So, okay, by the way, Arnold, since we're on the Arnold thing and we're just saying a lot of good things about him, let's stay on it. So Arnold Schwarzenegger says voters uh, uh, were right to retain Newsom, calls GOP field uh, disastrous. Uh, L.A. Times, he was a governor in 2003 after recall, said he received a relief. He was relieved that Gavin Newsom kept his job. Still, the Republican added that he was hopeful that the special election was a wake-up call for Newsom that makes him be- uh, perform better. The former Mr. Universe, who remains a registered Republican despite his disagreement, the former Mr. Universe, this is L.A. Town, the <laughs> former Mr. Olympia, and they say Mr. Universe, his disagreements with the state's party's path was harshly critical of the GOP field, and the recall is just uh, disastrous. Uh, he says uh, the Republican candidates, they did the opposite, Schwarzenegger said, such as talking about eliminating environmental laws supported by most Californians. So. Uh, uh, what what is what is going on with you know this Republican governor in California supporting with the way Newsom handled California? What are your what are your thoughts about what Arnold's saying here? We, we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. There is no left and right. There is no Republican and Democrat. It's all window dressing now. There are the people. There are the elites who want to control you, the global elites, and then there are the people who just want to be left alone that the, the elites refuse to leave alone. I mean, look at the Emmys in California. These people sit there and they lecture you on how bad your life is while they're multimillionaires grinding up on each other in $20,000 dresses, not wearing a single freaking mask. Meanwhile, the kids in LA have got to sit in cubicles and wear masks all day long. Like, come on, it's insane, man. We're living in two different realities. This this, this let them eat brunch California elite is out, out of control. And you look at a guy like Arnold, you know, how come he, look, I actually agree. I think the GOP is, is running bad campaigns. The best thing the GOP has done in the last 10 years is just shut up and let people see what the Democratic Party really stands for. That tells you how badly that party is being run on a national and a state level, where the quieter they are, the more people actually listen. And you're seeing F. Joe Biden chants all over the place. But that he also could have come out and said something to the effect of, hey, national media, how come Larry Elder actually got attacked the way Jesse Smollett claims to have gotten attacked. And you guys didn't cover it. Jussie Smollett claimed to have gotten... Juicy. Juicy. Juicy Smollett. Juicy Smollett. I mean, there was a woman in a gorilla mask throwing eggs at this dude. A, 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 a black guy running for public office, yeah. a woman, a white woman in a gorilla mask throws eggs at this dude, and it was on the news for like half an hour. First of all, there's a part about what Arnold saying is right. Larry Elder, qualified guy. Yeah. He just didn't have enough time to create momentum. His he concession he speech was really good. Who's? Larry's? Larry Elder. Well, Larry's a, Larry's a G. Larry's a guy mm-hmm. that he knows how to deliver the message, probably one of the best uh, in America. But uh, they did not have five, six, seven, eight guys that wanted to get out there and do something about it. Yeah. There, there were certain people that said that I would go against the recall. But uh, the people that could have probably won it, do they really want the life of being the governor of the state of California on the right? I don't know. I don't know if somebody's going to want to do that. they got to, they got to adjust their strategy, Pat. They, they've given up on the cities. If you give up completely on the cities, you can't win. You cannot win by losing the cities by 90%, 92%, 93%. You just can't do it. You have to fight. Look, that's where the voter fraud is happening. 
That's where it's happening. Voter fraud happens on both sides. But if you can have people go into a high-rise building and literally walk door to door, ballot harvesting, technically illegal, it happens. You go door to door and you can take literally 1,000, 2,000 ballots in each building. You can knock out 10,000 people in a day. In a month, that's 300,000 people. How do, you, how, do you, how do you recover from 300,000 people? If you just give up on the cities, you gave up on the country. It's done. They, they have, they've got to get in there and fight. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I just know the state of California, what it's like there with the homeless and the mismanagement of money and going bankrupt. And, I mean, even me personally, I have an employee there, and I pay state tax there as a, you know, because it's a nexus for us. Very, you know, I don't understand how they take in so much money, uh, yet seem to have no money. And, I mean, it just, it, California is kind of mystifying to me. I love the, I love visiting. I used to love visiting there because um, of the weather, obviously, you know. Um but man, you go there now, and it's going back to bodybuilding, Venice Beach. You go to Gold's Gym. There's, there's tents, tent city all over there. Pete Needles and yeah. people, you know, shitting. Plus, the you're streets. not pay, paying your fair share, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's your fault. It is. You, right? should, you guys should feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, I feel extremely guilty. Pony yes. up, guys. I mean, you pony left. Up. You left. So, yeah. There's no. Do, there's do you miss no. it at all? No. No, I, I miss the friends. Yeah. I miss the restaurants. I miss the, the community. I miss my habits. I miss my drive. I miss the theater I would go to. I'm a guy that's a, you know, ritual guy. So I like to sit in the same place, same restaurant, same waiter, waitress. You know, there's certain things I, I like. And that part, I absolutely miss. The weather worldwide, probably the best weather in the world, minus a couple other places that could compete with it. But uh, the politics, uh, I'm a freedom guy. And the fact that they don't allow you to breathe and make a decision for yourself, it's just that automatically disqualifies from a guy like me being able to live in a place like that. The whole yeah. purpose of why I work my ass off is because I want to be left alone. That's right. why I work my ass off. It's because just leave me alone, let me do my thing, and uh, I'll create value in whatever community I live in. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my part. But if you try to control too much, this reminds me of going back to Iran. I have no desire going back to a place of a lot of control. Think about what you just said. And I know it was a joke and it was hyperbole. Like, you know, they, they, they won't let you breathe. Like, dude. They are literally telling you how and where it's okay for you to breathe. They're telling you what you can do to yeah. breathe. Like, put a mask over, sit down here. If you're standing up, you could do this. If you're sitting down, you could do this. You know, it, like, why is it okay to take your mask off when you sit down? Well, because obviously COVID is only six foot high. Anybody <laughs> anybody five foot two or lower, they, they don't have to wear a mask. Five foot three or above, you know, dude, it makes no sense. They're just addicted to the power. And then you see the mayor of San Francisco who puts in a mask mandate, tells the entire County of San Francisco, the entire city that she's in front of, that, that she's in control of, what they can and can't do, and then goes out partying with no mask on. And then when they call her on it, doesn't even apologize. Says, the spirit of the night took me over. The spirit of the night. I was feeling the vibe. What, what is the meaning of spirit of night? That ecstasy she's talking about? What is she talking about? I, mean, I don't know, man. Dude, it's Was just, it the blue pill or the purple I, I'll pill? I'll tell you what, bro. Anybody listening to this... I'll tell you what, next time, one of these people, and we all know who we're talking about, they want to come up in your face, and they want to tell you how to live your life, you just look them right in the eye, and you say, I'm sorry, the spirit of the night overcame me. I'm just going to go ahead and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Can, can we talk about a hustler? Is that okay if we talk about a hustler? Mm. Something everybody can learn from. Can you pull up the story of Manning, what Manning just did? So Peyton Manning, go to uh, uh, the story at the top. Peyton Manning is making cold calls to indie liquor stores to put his bourbon on shelves. If you can go a little lower to read this, Peyton Manning is not uh, too uh, 
enshrined in a Hall of Fame or too caught up in the overwhelmingly rave uh, reviews of the Monday Night Football megacast, which they're crushing. Is it. incredible, yeah. To admit what his most critical job uh, has been of late, he's been a hustler. His words, not ours. In a world of liquor, hustling is key, Manning said. Or he, as he actually said, you kind of have to hustle on it or it gets lost in the shuffle. What Manning has been hustling in is a bourbon brand called Sweet & Cove Tennessee Bourbon for the liquor co- cons- uh, 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 connoisseur, say the, say the word, by Connoisseur. Way. Connoisseur. Out there, 84% corn, uh, 8% rye, 8% mar- malted barley. Someone's going to come to Indiana, someone's going to come to shelves. I'm in the cold calling business, Manning told IndyStar. Yes, Manning has been picking up the phones and making the calls. The call that might, must certainly seem like a prank to the person on the other end. You can imagine the pitch. Can you imagine you get a call from this guy? I'm Peyton Manning. What do I need to do to get my bourbon what's, into your liquor store? What's his closing percentage? What do you <laughs> me, are you kidding me? Knowing this guy, he probably has a ratio. He probably got data for everything. Oh, yeah. I'm shooting, you know, what's, 68%. What, what's higher? Is his completion percentage for his career or his closing percentage? What oh, do you yeah. think? He was a closing. Seven, oh, yeah. I want to say closing. <laughs> If How you do you believe, say no to it? If you believe it's him, right? Because if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, right, man. Right. You know what I would? I would yeah. FaceTime. I'd say, hey, yeah, let, let me just FaceTime you. If then it's you him. don't believe me, let me FaceTime you. If he FaceTimed you, and then it's like, 100%. Deal. Send it. Send it. It's 100%. Yeah. But, but are you surprised, though? See, these are the small little, you know, like, I bet you got stories. Like, even you talked sure. about it earlier, what sure. you were doing when you're sending your stuff, when yeah. you're writing the stories. Behind every great entre- entrepreneur or great hustler, you have weird stories like this that doesn't make yeah. sense. I'll give you a crazy story, okay? I haven't told this story for like, Eight years, seven years. So it's 2000. Let me see what year it is. It's 2007. I'm about to qualify for a trip to go to Dubrovnik, to go to Venice, to go to Masanovia, to go to Italy, to go to all those places. Okay. My assistant at the time, I asked him, did you renew my life insurance license? Okay. He says, I renewed all your license. I said, are you positive? He says, I renewed all your licenses when I ever missed it. I said, you know what? This guy's a pretty credible guy. He's been with me for many years. Fine. You renewed it? I renewed it. Fantastic. So I go. One day goes by. Two days goes by. The last week, all the business that goes in, I'm going to Europe. All of a sudden, I get a call from the company saying, yeah, none of the stuff you're submitting right now is going to count for you. Why? Because your license has been suspended for two weeks. Mm. I said, what? He says, because you forgot to renew your license. So what do I do? I scream his name. Put him on speaker. Ma'am, can you please tell him what you just told me right now? Yeah, your license hasn't been renewed because it wasn't up. So his face turns red. He's panicking. He's freaking out. I said, what the hell is going on here with my license being renewed? I want to go to Dubrovnik. I want to go to all these places. There's no way this is going to happen. I'm telling you I renewed it. Show it to me. Hour later, he says, I effed up. I didn't renew it. I've lost my mind at this point, okay? Oh, I'm losing my mind. So it's okay. Let me see what I can do. I called Department of Insurance California. And by the way, Department of Insurance California most difficult people to work with. So I call and I say, yes, uh, my name is Patrick David. How are you? May I speak with the manager, please? This is her. Great. Hey, my license, I just got word that expired. What do I need to do to renew my license? They said, sir, it's going to take about four to six weeks to renew it. I said, no, no, you don't understand. Four to six weeks is $50,000 of commission, $60,000. I need this thing to be renewed. Sir, everybody calls us for this. This happens all the time. It's okay. Just be patient with us. Four to six weeks, we'll renew it. Her name was Gail. I said, Gail, I'm on the phone with like five, six, seven people. I said, Gail, Gail, let me just put it to you this way. If you don't renew my license, I swear to God, I'm going to be there tomorrow morning. I will dance outside your office. I will bring flowers. I will bring 200 people singing your name nonstop until you renew my license. I'm going to show up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. says, Patrick, even if you show, we cannot renew it. I said, I'm going to make the biggest scene until you renew my license. Patrick, don't waste your money. I said, I'm coming. Don't, 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 don't come. Please don't come. I said, Gail, I'm coming to California. 
What happens? I tell my guy, book the flight. <laughs> I go to Sacramento. I go find a department you of insurance. Actually I flew to Sacramento. Now watch what happens. There is no door. Like there is not a door. It's one of those doors. You know the doors behind like an industrial building? Oh, that's yeah. Like there is not a window to see who's working inside. But I'm there at 5 a.m. I tell my hotel guy, bring me two buckets of coffee, okay, for me to, from Starbucks. Bring me dozens of donuts. I'm going to stand out there, keep telling I'm giving everybody a flyer. Can you please give this to Gail? I'm Patrick. Coffee to everybody. Everybody's coming in. Hi, how are you? I'm Patrick Bediva. I need to re- renew my license. Could you please tell Gail? Here's my flyer. I'm giving it to everybody, one by one by one. They're going in. They're going in. They're going in. And then an hour later, she doesn't show up. Two hours later, she doesn't show up. One employee comes out. Patrick, we can't, we're not going to renew your license for four to six weeks. Do you realize if we do this, everybody else is going to do what you're doing? We cannot do this. I said, you got to renew my license. I said, if you don't, I have uh, mariachi folks showing up right now. <laughs> I have dancers showing up right now. She says, you can't do this kind of stuff. This is too much. I said, I'm going to do all this stuff. Anyways, long story short, Gail comes out, okay? Gail comes and says, Patrick, what do I need to do to get rid of you? Everybody's talking about you right now. I said, Gail, just renew my license. She says, if I renew your license, will you leave town? I said, I'm not leaving until on your website it says Patrick Bedeva's license renewed to the date, okay? She says, let me see what I can do. She goes inside. Amor calls me, my chief compliance officer. She says, Patrick, your license has been, you know, you've been terminated. They're calling me from, what are we going to do? You can't go to Europe. I said, dude, let me just tell you, I'm in California right now in Sacramento. Let me see what I can do. Gail comes out. She says, here, your license is renewed. I said, Gail, give me the biggest hug. Gave her a hug. <laughs> got her said, two dozen the- roses. She yeah. says, get the hell out of here. And said, don't ever tell anybody. <laughs> so I'm not telling anybody. I'm just telling two people right now, like a handful of us right now. Tomorrow, Anyways. Tomorrow morning in Amor, Sacramento, there's Amor, a line of Amor mariachis. Amor calls me saying, your license was freaking renewed. They made a mistake. I said, nobody made the mistake. I'm in Sacramento. Anyways. So those are the stories that many times people don't. I went to Europe. Cost you ten grand to get your license renewed. My favorite <laughs> trip of all time up until that point was Dubrovnik. Till today, my favorite place in the world. If I didn't renew my license, that time, I'm not going to Dubrovnik. Sweet. That's that's the story. Sometimes behind closed doors, you don't hear about. So Manning, massive, massive shout out well, it, to a hustler like Manning. It's the competitive spirit, and it's what you talked about with you before. You had that addictive personality, but you channeled it into the right way. Now, uh, a buddy of mine, I talk, I talked to you about Prince Lorenzo Borghese. This this guy was on The Bachelor. He's been on Bachelor in Paradise. He's what a been on freaking name, bro. Yeah. Pr- first of all, name like that. You go up to a girl. What's your name, Mary? What's your name? Prince, what's that? <laughs> Lorenzo Borghese. Lorenzo Borghese. Yeah. Like it's a done deal. He, got, he was in, uh, what was that, Celebrity Big Brother? With the, He got into a fight with the fair. situation. He's yeah. a good, good friend of my buddy Rocco. They were, Rocco was on Lucky Bastards, on Esquire with him. They, they know each other. Anyway, the, the point is, this guy's got notoriety, fame, money. He sells uh, South Beach Brewery. And now he's driving around the truck himself, delivering the stuff himself, going and making the sales calls himself because he's like, hey, I put my thing into this. I'm not going to call people. I'm not going to tell people. I'm not, he doesn't want to be like Cabo Wabo. This is so-and-so's. Yeah. He, I shake my hand. This is mine. Like, it's actually mine. I'm doing it. And it's really, really important to him. He, li- he likes that. He likes the hunt. He likes being out there in it. That's what makes the story sexy. That's what makes the story exciting. You have to have that story of a hustle. Whenever you're doing something big. I and just want to know where he gets the time to do it. How who? much time? Peyton Manning. Dude, at that point, the bigger you get, the more yeah. support you got. You have no he idea. You team, have so sure. much support. Biggest thing people misunderstand about business is there's a 10-year period of you not having a life. There's 10 years. And that's the 10 years people don't want to give up. But you have no life. When I tell you no life, I mean you have no life. It's an 80-hour week of no life. Then after that 10-year 
the amount of support and help you have, your life is given back to you and you gain back years for that 10 years of sacrifice you made. That's the exchange people don't want to make. That's what, exactly what happened there to me. Go. I mean, I, don't, I really don't do anything I don't want to do anymore. But you earned it, though, Aaron. Yeah, I earned it, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So literally, if there's something in my life that I really don't want to do, then I have somebody, a support person, that's able to do it for me, like Eduardo over there. You know, so, uh, for instance, if you don't want to support Arnold Classic, you just don't support it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But giving that, that, the work gives you the ability to have freedoms. You know, that's what I think of when people talk about, like, making it, you know, making being financially free to me. It's just being able to do or not do the things you want to do in any time, you know. There you go. So, so, so now let's talk about what Facebook did. Uh, folks. I'm going to talk about Facebook's VIP uh, list, and um, I want you to uh, ask yourself if you're maybe on this VIP list. So let's go through it. This is a CNBC story. Okay, this is a CNBC story. Facebook shields millions of VIP users from standard moderation protocols. Facebook is using this program that whitelists millions of VIP users from the company's standard content moderation practices, according to Wall Street Journal. Every day, Facebook users can have their content taken down immediately. If the company's artificial intelligence technologies or contracted content moderators find their posts to be violation of the company's uh, rules, users in the XCheck program, however, may have their content stay live on Facebook services before being routed into a separate moderation system. That process is also staffed by better trained content moderators who are full-time employees, according to the report. Wall Street Journal said that there were 5.8 million uh, VIP Facebook users and users in 2020. Pretty interesting to think. It's not a small number, by the way. That's big. 5.8 million VIP users in 2020. I so, wonder how many of them are businesses. Because so, like for Redcon One, we are whitelisted to post uh, ads, so we can post an ad with uh, moder- limited moderation. Instead of being uh, an algorithm, it's a person that checks it off. Yeah. So we have a, a level of. So I don't know if that's if it's a companies or just individuals. But for companies, if you do enough business with Facebook and you never broke any rules, then they give you a little bit of more leeway. Because um, like for us, if we have a thousand ads that are launching all at once and it's time sensitive. And it doesn't get approved in time. It can cause problems. You can, they can, we can not spend more money on Facebook. That's really what they're concerned with. You know, does that bother you? Yeah. Tell me why that bothers you. Well, first of all, this is just more of what I was talking about earlier. It's it's the aristocracy versus the plebeians. It's just it's rules for thee, but not for me. You, my servant has to wear a mask. But, but you know, I don't. I would want to know. I actually would want to know what that criteria is. For example, if if uh, 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 do they use a trend like this account? I've I can, been. I can be specific. I can be absolutely specific. I told you, and you know this, for the people that don't know out there, I had a pretty active Facebook account. I was getting millions of views. I could count on between three and five grand every month off my Facebook account. And then I made a post uh, correlating the, the pandemic to the Wuhan lab. And the next morning I woke up, my page was demonetized, restricted, and I couldn't post for 30 days. My monetization is still not back to this day. That's happened to a lot of people. Meanwhile, Jon Stewart goes on Colbert, four months later, says the exact same thing I said, and he gets applauded. Oh, look at the the, the intelligence of Jon Stewart, the bravery. I'm I'm sitting here. I go live on Facebook. I'm like, are you serious? Can I I get a fact check on this? Look, Donald Trump, you know, the former president, is not allowed, but the Taliban leaders are allowed. Yeah, <laughs> they're, on, they're okay. They're exactly. Okay. So, so on Twitter, among, come on. Among, among them is soccer star Neymar, 5.8 million. In mm-hmm. 2019, he posted nude po- photos of a woman who had accused him of rape to his Facebook account. According to the report, this type of content would have typically been removed, but XCheck protected Neymar's account and blocked Facebook's moderators 
from taking it down right away. Ultimately, 56 million Facebook and Instagram users saw Neymar's content, according to the report. Wow. Okay, so this is that's, uh, crazy. that's pretty crazy to yeah. think about. I'm just curious to know if, it's, if there is a way to get access to that 5.8 million VIP. Because if they can come up with a number with 5.8 million, that means there's a way to find out who is on that VIP yeah. list. And is there and a trend? They know he's on it, and they know there's an X-check system, so somebody knows something yeah. about it. Dude, so, is, so it's probably— uh, That's so embarrassing for Facebook. They it is, they it is embarrassing for that, that to come out. There's but. nothing that can embarrass them. There's nothing yeah. that can embarrass <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. They, they get caught reading your messages. They yeah. don't care. They get caught silencing opposition. They don't care. Their fact-checking is an absolute joke. It's a literal by, by, joke by, at this By point. the way, FYI, as much as we trash Facebook, liberals cannot stand Facebook, just so you know. They cannot stand Facebook. They cannot stand Zuckerberg. Like, he's one of the most hated guys on their side because in their eyes, just so you know, they think Trump won with the help of Facebook. So so there is, in 2016, he won because of Facebook. Well, that's so, the, what, the social dilemma or what was the documentary that they that they made about the, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, it was the social dilemma so, with the, yeah. with the uh, you know, the, the micro metadata and all that stuff. They just used Cambridge technology. Analytica. Yeah, Cambridge I, I interviewed Analytics. the girl from that. Uh, yeah. Brittany, I, I interviewed. The one that wrote the book? Yeah, yeah, I interviewed I that. Her, book, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody in the world is at fault for Donald Trump winning, except Hillary Clinton being the worst, least likable candidate of all time. It's amazing the, no, the depths that they'll go it. to blame. You have a, two choices for a president, Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. Yeah. Democrats didn't even well, choose Hillary Clinton. You have a choice between Hillary and... <laughs> I hear you, but yeah. Democrats Hillary, didn't Hillary, even choose... I, I think she, Hillary. She think rigged so. her Hillary. own primary so. guys. You know, you know why? Because I think at least the, the enemy would fear her a little bit. Yeah. Because there's a part of her that she, you know, she's, she's got yeah. a track record of, you know, people disappearing. So <laughs> there's a, there's an element. Uh, she's way scarier. You, you, you do realize right. you're asking, like, the difference between gonorrhea and, like, AIDS, yeah. though, right? It's like, yeah, I'd rather I, gonorrhea. I, I actually, I'd rather No, it, I actually think it's the difference between somebody not being feared and somebody being feared. There's a big difference. Yesterday I had a... I had a guy on... David, what was the name of the guest we had on yesterday where we, we ended up doing it right on time? Uh, the interview... Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know the, exactly what you're talking about. I don't want to mispronounce his name, but it is Adita... Somebody get Kai back here. Raj what are we doing? Adat, say it again. Adita Raj Kool? Kool? Raj. I think you're actually saying it right. You know what? I'm impressed. Oh, okay, thanks. I was not expecting <laughs> yeah. you let's to get, get this get right. Let's get out of here, huh? Yeah, so Adatia... <laughs> <laughs> Raj Kaul, who is the guy that's been talking, speaking on what's going on with Afghanistan the entire time. And we had a conversation uh, about what's going on. He's uh, over there. He spent the most time talking about what's going on there. He represents CNN uh, News of India. And we talked a lot about uh, Afghanistan. And one of the comparisons I made, you know, he said, this is Trump's fault. This is Biden's fault. This is both of their fault. This is Bush's fault, Obama's fault. Anybody that's been a president in the last 20 years. Fair. You know, which is fair. Absolutely. Fair. Which is fair. And then uh, I met, made the comparison, and he says, listen, I'm a guy that voted for Biden. I thought Biden would have been the right person to handle this uh, situation yeah. with uh, Afghanistan. And then I said, do you see the comparison between what he did and what uh, Carter did? Well, when it comes down to presidency, you cannot have a guy like that be a number one. Mm -hmm. Biden may be a good number two or three or four or five or six, but not a good number one. And then he turns around and says, look, at this point of the game, I, I have to agree with you. You're right. I've changed my position. I don't think he's the right guy. For the job, and I asked him who would have been a better Hillary or him. He said Hillary. He said the same thing as well. Well, hey, even our Lord and Savior Barack Obama once said, uh, the, "Never underestimate yeah. Biden's ability to f it up." Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if he was a great number two either. Man. But did you see the story about what happened with Saki yesterday when she was asked if uh, Biden has ever been to the border? Can you pull up that story, uh, David? The story on. Uh, I think it's the first one you got there. Uh, second one, second one right there. Biden administration. Check this out. 
So if you haven't seen the video, I suggest you watch it. We can't play it right now for obvious reasons. White House has no answers on when Biden has ever, not, not, not in the last 12 months, not in the last 10 years, ever in his lifetime, visited the border or how many migrants have been released into U.S. So go to the bottom to exchange, to read the uh, uh, exchange. So, so Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey, press White House press secretary, asked pressed White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on whether Biden has ever in his life been to the southern border saying, I've been looking all morning and we cannot find any records of him at visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. Why would that be? Okay, so this is not about as a president or VP, period, ever. Go a little lower. She pushes a little bit more. Psaki could not provide a date. And says she would check. Ducey pushed further, noting that the president has made a point in the past to travel around the country when areas are affected by wildfires, hurricanes, to see the needs of the local community. And then she says, well, first of all, Peter, I think the situation at the border is the result of a broken system. And the president certainly relies on his experience. So whether it was the work he did to address the root causes as vice president, his efforts when he was a Senate to support comprehensive immigration reforms, that at a time was or being uh, or done being done and work towards a bipartisan way, something that certainly we think should be the case today. He uses all his experience from the past. That's, anyways, the whole point is she could not say that he's ever been to the southern border. So this is my question for you. This is my question for you. Does that matter? And yeah. if yes, why does that matter? Yeah, he needs to see what's going on on the border. He needs to have an experience it so he can base his leadership and his decisions on something he's seen for himself. And, and it's also for the people there. And to be a leader, you need to, you know, I always tell my kids, lead from the front. You know, this is a guy who has never even been to the place down, you know, a three-hour flight from him. Yeah, the um, – listen, I, I don't know if anything outside of optics would occur from a president being down there, but it does make it seem like, okay, at least he's prioritizing this. You know, the rhetoric that, that we get from the White House out of this stuff, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing how, you know, uh, law-abiding Americans, they got no problem yelling at us and telling us our, our patience is wearing thin, you know, with people that just want to be left alone. Meanwhile, you got people, you know, story, you have an actual humanitarian crisis at your border that you guys have created just because, let's be honest, you need the votes. You're trying to shove as many blue votes into red states as you possibly can. If there were a bunch of Canadians trying to escape Trudeau's socialist paradise up north coming through the northern border and turn in Michigan red, watch how fast there'd be an ice wall up, up on our northern border, right? But listen, and also to that point, if I'm correct, tw I think as many as 25% of all votes in the recount were from people born outside of the United States of America in, in California. So the strategy is working, all right? And, and even Beto O'Rourke says he's going to run for governor. So he, he, they've counted enough people coming across the border where Beto thinks the third time's a charm. And Who knows? He's going to get in there. Who but, knows how many cartel people are coming across? They don't care. I mean, you've seen the Afghans, some of the Afghan refugees oh, they, they are raping they people, don't kids. Care. They care about power and oh, power I verified, alone. I verified the story with the gentleman yesterday today and i said is child marriage taking place right now he says absolutely yeah it's horrible. he said horrifying. mothers are being threatened for their lives because they have no food they have nothing they're exchanging their 10 year old daughters to other taliban men in exchange for food and freedom we did that that is us that Our has got to be so unbelievably mind-boggling to even think about a person being put in a situation like that to make that decision Pat, our tax dollars 
finance that situation. Three hundred well, million well, dollars a day for well, twenty years. Finance that situation. It would have had. It was happening before we went in there. You know, yeah. we just spent a bunch of money and wasted it to do nothing. You know, it wasn't well, like the Taliban was nice before. You since, know? since I've been on this podcast, man, you know, a lot of people DM me, and and the, some of it's awesome, and I love the guys that DM me. A lot of it's not so awesome. But one of the things I've noticed about my, the more liberal among us, or the more left among us, they they disagree with me very very publicly in the comments. But if they agree with me, it's very very quietly in the DMs, yeah. right? But one of the things that they always talk about is, look, like taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. Taxes, we need to do this. The rich just got to pay a little bit more, and everybody. And my whole thing comes back to, guys, we 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 don't have a revenue problem in this country. There's four trillion just in federal income tax. That doesn't take into account state income tax. That doesn't take into oh, account yeah. any of the soft taxes that you can't pay. It doesn't take into account tickets. It doesn't take into account tolls. We do not have a revenue problem in this country. Four trillion dollars. We're still running 128 percent deficit against GDP. You think they're going to run the country better on seven trillion than they did on four? No way, man. So. One of the things that they have to do now, if you're listening to this and if you're on the left side of the aisle and we're missing soy man today, but you need to now prove to the rest of us that if you get more money, because the government's asking to double its budget right now, and they're asking not just for the money that we're making right now, they're going after future earnings, all right, and they're going after our past with inflation. They're going after our future with investment income, and they're going after our past. They're going to take it all. You have to show us that this money buys something other than death and destruction this is what it buys and you you need to show us that it doesn't that the money is going to something other than lobby firms man you have to show us that it's going to something other than defense contractors 21 trillion dollars two two trillion dollars well no no i'm saying in af in, af in afghanistan was it 21 trillion no, two, two trillion, trillion oh, oh, so two trillion dollars 300 million dollars a day for uh is two to three trillion dollars. Two to three trillion dollars, yeah. and well, that, I think that might have been one of this. Out of three trillion dollars, I, I don't want to give this stat incorrectly. Somebody got to look it up, but I think it was out of three trillion dollars, two point eight trillion went to defense contractors. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that figure right there to verify. But uh, going back to the question about Biden never been to the southern border, when Lester Holter pushed Kamala in June about the fact that you've never been to the border. And she says, what's the big deal? I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Europe. What does that have to do with anything? That was her... After uh, her uh, laugh. After her, after her laugh. Yeah. So, so, so the question then becomes, uh, you know, in a, in a situation like this, okay, do you think Obama would have been at the border right now if he was president? Do you think Obama would have visited? He yeah. understands optics better than... I actually think yeah. Obama would have visited. You think, think so. Bill, you think Bill Clinton would have visited? <laughs> yeah. You think Hillary would have visited? Yeah. yeah. We know Trump would have visited. Yeah. You think Bush would have visited? We know what Bush yeah. did with 9-11. He went right there. Yeah. This isn't... By the way, this is not a Republican or Democratic thing. Why the hell are you not visiting? This is not a Republican or Democratic thing. You just made an actually really great point about Kamala Harris. Like, that is also another reason against this kind of global government globalization. Like, out of sight, out of mind. If this wasn't a federal problem, if it wasn't the federal border, yeah. the Texans would take care of the border. The Texans that live at that area would handle the border fine. Locally, they would take care of it. Yeah. it, it the, the fact that it's a federalization, somebody that works in D.C. and grew up and lives in, in, in San Francisco doesn't give a damn about the border. She did. She just, like what you said, I've never been to Italy either. It's abstract to her. So now if we go global, guys. Do you think somebody in Beijing or somebody, some bureaucrat in Germany is going to give a damn about the southern border? You think they're going to care about, you know, Maricopa County in Arizona, man? They're not going to care. The bigger government gets, the more global it gets, the worse things will get in a micro sense. It could be, it could be that Biden doesn't have the energy for a trip like that. 
Or it could be that he's not actually but, making but, any but decisions. I don't, I don't know about that. Let me tell you why I don't know about that. Because he went to Delaware for vacation uh, just a couple weeks ago. So I think the travel part he could do. I'm, I'm actually trying to really see why not. Because does it force the media on the left to talk about what they're not doing right? Let me, let me give you an idea where I'm going with this. I watched a Jake Tapper interview the other day with Blinken. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that interview or no? It's a 14-minute yeah, clip. I've seen clips. Okay, if yeah. you haven't seen it, highly recommend you go watch it. Mm-hmm. Jake Tapper, like on Rogan, I said I think Jake Tapper is one of the most necessary people He's also good. in America today because Jake uh, is a guy that will still push. Jake yeah. will ask the question. I think Jake is actually relatively, you know, if everybody's if Don Lemon is far left and mm-hmm. you got Chris Cuomo here and all these guys, centers, yeah, I think Jake is here, which I appreciate Jake sure. doing his job and pushing back. He pushed Blinken on a lot of issues. He says, look, you're still not answering my question for you. What happened there? Why did you guys make the decision the way you guys made? The question I'm asking you is, even the left is right now getting sick of their candidate that won. Mm-hmm. The left is sick of it. This is not about a left or right thing right now. The left is sick of it. So to go to the thought of saying, well, maybe they're not, gonna, they're not going because Zucker had a call in the background, not Zuckerberg. I'm talking no, uh, Jeff, Zucker. Zucker. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Zucker. Zucker had Jeff a call Zucker, yeah. in CNN saying, hey, let's get everybody on the same page. And they do a conference call saying, do not go to the southern border because it's a bad look because you're going to get so much hate. I don't think yeah. that's the case. So why have they not gone there? I know Kamala went to El Paso. Mm-hmm. I understand that mm-hmm. the whole Guatemala, El Paso, all of that stuff. Why has he not gone there? Well, you know, it's the same thing. It, it's a very interesting question. I don't know. I, I I tend to think you might be right. Maybe you know he doesn't have the capacity to do it. Maybe I they know. Maybe they know he could. I, I also don't do think it. he's he's. A, I really don't think he's a decision maker, guys. I really don't think he is. He is going to get. What you mentioned he's going to get definitely walking there. He's going to get a lot of uh, fuck Joe Biden's. He's going to get people. But, yeah, but going, but, but going back if, to your point though about the left media, there's two things that you said that were very very interesting and worth tracking. One, Hunter Biden's emails were confirmed. Yeah, they were confirmed, and that hasn't a, been covered. It was, a, it was a blip. Hasn't been covered blip. at all. Yeah, the Hunter Biden emails that he was selling access and that Bi- and that Joe Biden was signing off on it was confirmed. It should be a bigger conspiracy than almost anything in our lifetime, and no one's even talking about it. That's number one. Well, no, they are talking about it. You saw this week what happened with the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah, have I you mean, seen the progress they're making with it? Yeah, but it wasn't like front page. It wasn't like all over. Not everything. yet, but they're but they're about to. Yeah, yeah, they're about so. to. They're not going to have a choice. And number two on that is you mentioned Don Lemon. Very, very, very interesting in the pass off from Lemon Show to, uh, you know, the, there, there's a thing now um, with the far left progressive, the racial progressive specifically. Now, wh- while you're saying, hold that thought. Folks, if you're listening to this, I'm actually curious. Why do you think they haven't visited? Biden hasn't visited the southern border. I'm looking at some of people's comments. Go ahead. You were saying. Yeah. So the girl who, who went missing and, uh, you know, it, it's highly suspected that her boyfriend has something to do with it. Um you know, there's there's a racial component to it apparently that that um, the the social justice left hates the amount of attention that this story is getting, and, and they're saying if it was a black woman, essentially they're saying this would have never happened. And I guess the police questioned the boyfriend, and he is not saying anything. And Don Lemon said that that's white privilege. They would press a they would they would press um, a, a black kid until they they he, they said something. And Chris Cuomo, my my, my mind almost exploded. Yeah. Chris Cuomo says absolutely not. It's your right not to speak. And then he actually pushed back against it, and I was like, "Whoa! Did Chris Cuomo just uh, disagree yeah, with Don?" Chris Lemon Cuomo on? said, "It doesn't matter if you're white or black; they'll do it." He says, "Yes, but poor." And then Don corrected himself. Don Lemon and went, pivoted. Went from black, he said, "Poor, poor white and black people." He says, "You think if I wasn't Don Lemon, if I was a..." St- he says, but poor. So he changes position. Very so I saw Chris pushing him back. I think you shared that with me yesterday. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. I was like, if the left is starting to push back against the left, that is good progress. Because we got to, like you said, 
I, you know, the the center is where it is, right? We talk about the the you know, I, I'm a prescriber of the horseshoe theory. We talk about it a little bit. Like we think about left and right in this country. Like the furthest thing away from a Nazi is to be a communist. So therefore, commie's good. That's the whole Antifa thing. It's not a linear, you know, political spectrum. It's a horseshoe, right? So the, the Nazis and and the and the commies, the far right and the far left, are way closer to each other than they are to anything in the center, right? So yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea. I wish that that was taught better in school. I wish that people had a better understanding of that. But you know, if the center left can start taking control of their room, if the center left can can start having a louder voice, the country is headed in the right direction. Yeah, it says because they're cowards, all the stuff they're saying because Biden this because he knows it's going to be all over the news. I, I actually don't think that's the case. I'd like to know what. Uh, the reason is, and and I don't think the left or the right knows what the reason is why they're not going there. I don't know. Maybe it's something bigger than we even know. Uh, but the, even yesterday, when they turned on the Haitians, you know that they're coming here, mm -hmm. and then you saw uh, Maxine Waters came out and yeah, said, yeah. you know, Haitian lives are black lives. If yeah. Haitian lives matter, black lives matter. Haitian lives matter. And then they're coming here because their country is not good, and they're leaving to come to America. We have to take care of them. They're not coming here to stay. And then statistics came back and said, wait a minute, these guys have been living down there for years. This is massive not like they anti-mandate, massive anti-anti-anti-vaccine. Anti-mandate protests in New York City. Yeah. Led by Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's turning upside down. It's it's you it's know, confusing. It's yeah, it, the world's kind of nuts. Which is, but it's again, it's a good thing, man. People don't like not being free. I mean, the weird thing is, you shared with me the Mickey, Nicki Minaj thing, and she's saying eighty percent of people agree with her, but they're afraid. Who are they afraid of? Who is getting to them? Who are they afraid of? Like you're, you know, I'm liberal, I'm answering, liberal media canceling them. But but right? but he's saying the media is afraid to cover. So if the media is afraid and the entertainers are afraid, who is who well, are they well, afraid well, of and well, why? Well wait, well wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a complete different topic. So if Nicki Minaj's community, I don't know that it is. But let's 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 unpack it and let's let's sure. let's hash this out and debate it. So who's when she's saying eighty percent people agree with me, agree with me, but they don't want to go public about it. Yeah. So maybe she's talking about other celebrities like herself. That's the Let, way I took it. Yeah. Fine, I took it that way as well. So let's just say she's talking about other celebrities like herself. Why why would they publicly go out there and support Nicki? No, but they're they're in that live. She's saying that they agree with what she's saying. But they're being bullied into saying other things. No, no. Uh, so I get that. Yeah. I'm fully there. What I'm saying to you is why, if they agree with Nikki, are they not comfortable coming out publicly supporting her position? Because, yeah, they're, yeah. because they're worried about repercussions. They're worried so about what, repercussions. So what are the repercussions? Losing, losing jobs, potential okay. gigs. So losing right? jobs, oh. losing gigs. Yeah. What else? I mean, Keep like the actors that I know in Hollywood that are that are conservative don't express it because they feel like they'll be ostracized from that community and they won't get I mean, we saw what jobs. happened with uh, uh, Vince Vaughn. I mean, Vince Vaughn, one of the best actors, mm -hmm. just because he supported Ron Paul at a campaign and yep. he's a, you know, came out as a libertarian. We saw what happened to him. The only person they can't do nothing to is one guy that they cannot touch. Seems like Chris Pratt. They tried to cancel him and they couldn't. They cannot touch Clint Eastwood because he oh, simply yeah. doesn't give yeah. a shit yeah. and he's got a half a billion dollars. He's, he's say whatever the hell you want to yeah. say. I make my own movies. I fund my own movies. I don't need your money. Yeah. So the more they're free of the powers of Hollywood, the John more Voight. they can impose. John Voight's a good friend. You know, I went to John dinner with him and he's He's awesome a fantastic. Guy. I had dinner with him. Yeah. He's one of the bigger reasons yeah. why I do what I do. Him and uh, George Will, fantastic guy. But uh, even like guys like him, but Clint is an A. Sure. John's probably, John's yeah. not, you know, so, but, you know, what do they lose? Okay, so when Joe and I were talking, I asked him the mm -hmm. question that I ask everybody. Here's a question. Who's the most powerful source today in, in America today? The U.S. president, the richest man in America, the educational system, 
virtual governments, which is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, mm -hmm. or mainstream media? Let me say that one more time. Folks, I, I want to get your answer on this as well. This is a part of the conversation with Joe and I. The U.S. president, who's the most powerful person in America? The U.S. president, okay, actually grade this, rank it. Take a moment. I'm curious to know what you're going to say about it. Rank them, Gerard, if you already have them. Okay. The U.S. president, okay, rank them, folks, if you're listening to this. I'm so curious. Who's the most powerful uh, person or organization in America today? The U.S. president, mm -hmm. the richest man in America, so like a Bezos or Elon Musk. Or Soros. Then you got, uh, uh, you got uh, the educational system. That's influencing kids' minds. Are you, are you talking you, like the union, like NGA? I'm just talking about universities, Berkeley. I'm talking okay. about University of Chicago. I'm talking about Stanford. Sure. So, And then you have uh, uh, virtual governments, which is Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all those guys, mm -hmm. or mainstream media, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, all those guys. Mm -hmm. In order of five, one by one by one, who do you think is the most powerful? In order of five. <laughs> And I'll tell you what Joe said. But in order of five, is it the president? Is it the richest man, which is Bezos or Elon Musk? Is it the education? system? We're talking system? about ac acutely, not like this is like something that right now. We're I'm right talking now right now who is the most powerful <laughs> right. uh, person. The reason, I'll just, the reason I'm saying that is because the educational system may be forming, forming young minds. Sure. But today, it won't make a difference for today. I'm considering it as like the education lobby. Like the education, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm putting that one at the bottom. Okay. So. You're putting education at the bottom. At the okay. Bottom. Because in, in the future, it's huge. But today, it's... It fair enough. Actually, great question right. you're asking. I actually like the question you're asking. Okay, fair. Okay. I, I, long term, they would probably at the second or, uh, you know, uh, maybe even first place sure. educational. So I mean, do you have your right. five? Yeah, I got my six. You Okay, go. Yeah. What's your six? All right, six, President of the United States. So you have, so President's at the bottom. Six. Okay, here we go. Five, education lobby. Yep. Four, big media. You mean MSM, yep. mainstream media, okay? Three, big tech. Yep. Two, richest guys. One, Xi Jinping. Stop. <laughs> you really like that guy. Mm -hmm. So you putting the richest. Xi Jinping. You putting the richest guy has the most power in America today. I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about that. Let's the, ri see, let's the richest see. guy can buy two, three, and four. You think so? Yes. Okay. All right. So so let we'll have some fun with and this one. And the president. Here. Can't do anything without the votes. You have an opinion on first? Before. Who you think your first is? I got one. You got your opinion? Let's hear Aaron's, and then I'm going to come to you guys to hear what your all first right. is. So I'm going to say um, Facebook, number one. Uh, Facebook, you know, all digital media. You said virtual government. Yep. yep. Uh, number one, uh, United States president, number two. Um, and then number three is media, mainstream media. Yep. Number four is richest man in, in America, richest man in the world, I guess. Yep. And number five is uh, educational systems, colleges, Berkeley. So, so interesting. But, but what's your number one? Yeah, I agree with Aaron. Uh, my number one social media. It's got to be the You strongest. put number one. You're, you're also saying? Mine was also social okay. media, yeah. Do you, do you have an opinion on that? What do you think is number one? Same, social media? Who? Education. Education. Wow, interesting because he's thinking also. Okay, Rogan said social media is number mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but for you, you for you, you said the richest man mm -hmm. has got the most power today. Tell us why. Well, the golden rule. Do you know what the golden rule is? What's that? How you treat everybody how you want to be treated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they tell you. It is the golden rule. Aaron is he who has the gold makes the rules. Nah, I heard that one too. Yeah. So listen, big tech is great, but the richest man could buy big tech. He doesn't like you, Jeff Bezos. Doesn't like what the Washington Post is posting. Do you know what he does? You buy buys the Washington Post. So the president of the United States is not a very powerful person because he needs all those other people for his power. Those other people do not need the president for their power. 
we talked about this a couple pod- podcasts back. It dawned on me. I thought I grew up in New York, the, the media capital of the world, L.A., Hollywood. We think of where are the power centers in the world? Where are the power centers? Right. And this is this goes to your argument. This goes to Joe Rogan about about big tech. Right. We would think the power centers are New York. Right. L.A. D.C. We're all wrong. The power centers in America right now are San Francisco because of its proximity to Silicon Valley. And what what scares me and why, you know, Pat's joking about my proclivity to bring Xi Jinping into things. Big tech and mainstream media are not beholden to the president of the United States. They are beholden to China. They changed their rules for China. They changed their distribution for China. They don't do that for us. So if the most powerful, if the epicenter of power in the United States is San Francisco, and they aren't beholden to us, they're beholden to Fair. Beijing. What, That's a scary wh- thing. Why do you have virtual government first, and why do you have president second? So I have virtual government first because I think it influences. Uh, a tremendous amount of opinion, and I think that if they wanted to use it incorrectly or use it for, you know, whatever means, they they have the ability to, and that it can be, you know, weaponized very easily. I mean, as you said, everybody says Trump won the election because of Facebook, right? So it could influence elections. It could change, you know, based on the power. We're talking about power being used good for good or bad, but it could be used for bad for all kinds of things. You could panic people. You could, I mean, you can uh, overemphasize or you can use the algorithm to show more bad news than good news or more for Facebook. They admit they for they use their own algorithm to show more good news about them to to us. Yeah. Um, So it's a, it's very manipulative. The ability to manipulate is unlimited and there's so much data, user data out there for people now that there's predictive user data. I'm a big fan of uh, Palantir. I own lots of stock for Palantir. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know guys on the battlefield on SEAL Team 6 that have used it to get targets right now, like, you know, weeks ago, where they tell the target this is the guy, and they can use cameras, local local cameras, use their predictive algorithm, and see what and historically where the person's been, and they can say eighty seven percent chance this guy who squirt, a squirter ran out uh, is at his girlfriend's house. Here it is, and they hit the girlfriend's house. Well, that's so actually that's, one that's of the technology. issues. One of the issues with uh, TikTok to that level is that they yeah. their predictive analytics are supposed to be so insane that if you watch TikTok, and they know where you're going and where they you're know exi- within within three hours of watching TikTok, they can curate an algorithm specific to you that is like they'll know exactly what you're going to watch and how so long you're going to watch that's kind of palantir the, the some of their stuff can can basically take aggregate and then analyze uh, what you're doing on social media and so if somebody like like pat mentioned i'm very uh, a routine guy big routines um you could very easily figure out anything about me because if you have access to my social media because i post places like oh he's here at this day this day palantir and software like it can do that instantly so i put that at number one because i i know the the, the scope of what's possible uh, United States president carries the nuclear football. You know, he can press the button and he has a lot of I mean, we haven't seen a lot of the crazy stuff really being done that much. But, you know, Trump talked about a little bit about, you know, what kind of powers he has. And uh, there's constitutional lawyers that, that have, you know, espoused, talked about what could be done as a president. A lot could be done. Uh, you can make a lot of really bad mistakes. Uh, of course, there's mm-hmm. oversight, right? You know, the House and the Senate and everything and every, all of his advisors. But if you're a madman and you wanted to do whatever you want, you could do some serious damage, you know? Even without Benedict Milley calling uh, China to ask if it was okay first, you sure? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he, he could do some stuff. He could do, in my opinion, he could do some damage. Um, I put uh, media number three because we've seen what mainstream media can do. No, I mean, that's right. Know, no question. I mean, people just, it's amazing what people don't think you know they just see it and they f- feel like i mean my my mom's a great example my mom will watch a show and she just immediately thinks it's fact 
she'll call me and say, hey, this is what's happening. I'm like, no, that's just one show. You watch CNN, one article, one thing. It doesn't mean it's the truth. You have to do your research. But, I mean, that's it convinces people. You know? R- richest man, you have Ford. Why yeah. richest man Ford? Because, like you mentioned, he could, you could buy, but you really can't. So he can't go buy Facebook. Jeff Bezos doesn't have the ability to buy out Facebook. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is not going to sell him Facebook. Because Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest people in right. the world. Yeah, you can't appeal to him like that. <laughs> so, I mean, most of these guys, most of the, the richest stuff, you can do a lot, right? You can get away with a lot. You can do a lot. But you still don't have the power to, like, the president can do anything he wants. You know, he can't, he can... Uh, pardon himself, you know, so Biden can't, I mean, so Biden can, uh, richest man, Jeff Bezos has a limit to his power because yeah, he can buy anything he wants to a point, but uh, he's still, you know, under the law, right? He is, he is, he has laws and he needs to follow that are rules for everybody. Well, he may be able to get away with a lot of stuff. He's still like Jeffrey Epstein can't get away with everything, not forever. So I put him that at four and then the educational system, just because like I said, it's, it's something that we're talking about in the distance, in the distant future. Mm-hmm. It's very scary for guys who have, who have little boys and, and sending them to college. I would, I didn't go to college, but I do believe in, in education. I'm a big believer in education, but it is scary because you, you teach your kids all this stuff and hopefully you instill all these values and then you send them off to Berkeley and they ruin everything, right? They teach them something totally different and they're going to be the teachers. They're going to be the authority figures and they come back for summer and they tell you you're wrong about everything. <laughs> Uh, so that's a that's a scary thing. Where do you send a kid for higher education that there's no risk of them coming back a different kid? And by the way, a lot of people said uh, different things. One guy in L gave 50 bucks and he said, number one, central bankers. Number two, big banks. Number three, CCP. Number four, corporate elites. Number five, U.S. president. That guy gets it. Yeah. So so he, you know, there's a... That there's guy a, gets it. He cheated, a, though. Those weren't the options. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those weren't he, the options. He, so he, you didn't follow the rules. Yeah, he, he, he created his own rules there. Future but belongs to the disobedient. There you go. But the, the point is, you know, when you're talking about uh, uh, the topic we were on right before this, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Kamala Harris. We were talking, talking about, about Nicki Minaj. We were and talking about Nicki Minaj why and why the celebrities afraid are afraid. Okay. But the media is afraid also. But the reason why celebrities are afraid is because the most powerful organization in America is the social media these virtual governments, they can ruin their lives sure. like this. Sure. They can ruin their lives. So here's a rock who, you know, his energy drink, by the way, just became number one. It's really good. I uh, like it. Zoa. It's, yeah. a, it's ahead of everybody now. It's number one. I okay. Like now imagine if he doesn't have access to Twitter, Instagram, and all the stuff that he's doing. You think his mm-hmm. energy drink is going to be number one? Well, look at, mm-hmm. look at Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump was the most watched. There's every news story about him because people were commenting on his tweets, whether they're ridiculous or, yeah. or whatever. And so you take it away, and all of a sudden, he, his voice is, I mean, he's muted. It's almost as if he's non-existent yeah. today. The only place that he exists is at small little functions that he does, and maybe Fox shows him. But you don't see him at a lot of different places. Many people who have interviewed Trump in the last 12 months, their interview has been taken down. Not last 12 months, last six, seven months. Their interview has been taken down uh, when they sit down with them. So anyways, uh, uh, so going back to Nicki Minaj, yeah, celebrities, you want me to come out and talk about how I feel about this? Is it worth my $20 million contract? Is it worth my next 50 million bucks? Probably so not. So you're answering my question then. So the, the question is, is that who is really pulling the strings? Who is threatening them to make them afraid? And it's so then the, you're also answering your, your own poll then that, the mainstream media is beholden to big tech as well because you're asking why aren't they covering this how come they're not doing that somebody in big tech is saying we don't want this information out there so you're telling me that it's it's some sort of it's is it dorsey is it is it uh is it you know or is my conspiracy theory that you know big tech is beholden to a foreign uh, uh, interest. Well, I mean, uh, think about this story. Here's the story. Since we're going there, let's go to this story. Kind of has to do with what we're talking about. Uh, page two. Google and Apple 
remove Navalny's app from stores as Russian election begin. This is a Reuters story, okay? So Google and Apple remove Navalny's app, which Navalny is going against Putin. Yep. Google and Apple have removed the jailed Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny's technical voting app from their stores after Russia accused the U.S. tech firms of meddling in its internal affairs. Russia went to the polls on Friday to elect a new parliament and a three-way vote that the ruling United Russia Party is expected to win despite a rating slump after the biggest crackdown on the Kremlin's critics and years. Allies of Navalny uh, President Vladimir Putin's f- uh, fiercest domestic opponent planned to use the mobile app to organize a tactical voting campaign to deal a blow to United, United Russia. Russia demanded this month that Apple and Google remove the app from their store, saying a refusal to do so would be treated as meddling in its parliamentary election. So <laughs> where you're going with this, where you're going with this yeah. is the point. Mm-hmm. So this is where some people would agree with you to say, well, you know, it's got to be China. Oh, it's got to be somebody else. It's got to be Russia. Look at this here. Where Russia's power to tell Google and uh, Apple to take down, and how powerful is Google and Apple? One is a $2 trillion company. The other one is what? A trillion dollar yeah. company? Hey, take those things down. They say, yes, we will take it down. So so think about that. Think about that, that org level. chart. Think about the org chart yes. right there. Nicki Minaj and celebrities won't speak because then the mainstream media will go after them. The mainstream media won't cover stories because then social media will go after them. Social media will do whatever Vladimir Putin tells them to do. I'm sorry. I disagree. Let me tell you why. The power is still on who? The power is still in the hands of Facebook, Google, Facebook, Apple, YouTube, all these guys. They dictate the power. So they dictate the power. If they choose to keep or not keep, you're off. But it's still the power is in yeah, their the hands. This the one almost choosing. goes back to yeah. your point, though. You could be as powerful as as uh, you know uh, Zuckerberg is, but in here in in America, where we're a representative democracy, yeah. he doesn't. He knows Joe Biden's not going to do anything to him. He's like, and he has the power over Joe Biden, or he has the power over elected of officials. He hey, I'm going to run against him. Of course, him. he does. Vladimir Putin's not going anywhere. So Vladimir Putin yeah. can go, yeah, Zuckerberg, how about you have some you know, some of this radiation salad? Try scrolling <laughs> me. Try scrolling me, Zuckerberg. As you Facebook know? stock continues to yeah. soar. Hey, yeah. hey Zuckerberg, don't don't forget. Xi Jinping looks at Zuckerberg and don't forget. Say, hey, remember Jack Ma? He went on a little vacation, didn't he? How you like vacations? So Jack? watch this. Watch watch what game now we're playing. So we just went from Nicki Minaj, why celebrities are worried. We gave the list of five. Mm-hmm. You guys gave your five. You added Xi Jinping at the top. A couple other guys had a different list. Yep. Then we talked about Google and Russia with <laughs> Navalny. And now this leads me to the second richest man in America, which is who? Elon Musk. Yeah. So watch what Elon Musk does. Elon Musk got pissed off this week. Yeah. Elon Musk is angry about a new bill that includes a $4,500 tax incentive for electric vehicles built by companies with unions. It's an insider story. Democrats have proposed a bill with a $4,500 tax incentive for electric vehicles built by unionized yeah companies, unionized companies. Musk tweeted that the bill has been engineered by lobbyists for Ford and the United Auto Workers Union. The bill also grants a $7,500 base consumer incentive for new EVs sold in the U.S. and it would allow foreign-made cars to claim that incentives for five years. This provision would apply to Ford cars assembled in Mexico. In a follow-up tweet replying to a Twitter user who said President Joe Biden would be making America's made cars a priority, Musk said, uh, uh, what did Musk say? Uh, it doesn't have it here. So Musk said something, though. <laughs> yeah. And Mo- tagged the president's official account. Anyways, he took a shot mm-hmm. at him. Uh, 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 David, if you can pull up uh, the tweet so we can see he this. said something like, how, how is this going to help Americans? Yeah, and also, like don't, don't forget, earlier this year, the DSA tried to put a plant in one of... Uh, 
the Democratic Socialists of America tried to put a plant in one of Musk's Texas um, operating places where he went in there and tried to convince everybody to unionize. And Elon Musk said, he was like, unionize tomorrow and I will get rid of everybody's stock incentives. So you, why, I don't know why you guys would do this. We're, yeah. we're making tons of money together. you know. And also, man, look, this is not just electric cars, by the way, Pat. This is most of uh, Joe Biden, most of the quote-unquote human infrastructure investment that's happening in this uh, green new recovery act that they're about to drop on us. It, it's all going to the unions. And it's all going to the unions specifically because what do those unions do? They kick back where? To the democratic powers. Mm-hmm. This this re, this re, human infrastructure he said, he is said a war chest for Democrat politicians. He's still guys. sleeping, is what he said. He's still sleeping. Yeah, sleepy is Joe. What he said. Yeah, sleepy but, Joe. But by the way, going back to it, then this validates why the richest man doesn't have the power. I disagree completely. So you're saying Elon Musk has power? No, but but the richest see the richest man has power. But you're talking about. Maybe I misunderstood what you're saying. Like Elon Musk super is the rich. second richest man in the. So Ford Ford has a ton of money. Whoever is running Ford has a ton of money. Well, as an individual, the richest billionaire in America. The president. Well, maybe you're right. But my thing is this: the president is all the way at the bottom of the list, and I still believe that because without those unions, Joe Biden isn't doing anything. These these people know this is bad for America, and they're doing it anyway because they're bought and paid for by by these lobbies. They're bought and paid for. Yeah. So the politician is down on that list. My big thing is this, and maybe you guys can answer this because you guys have better foresight. All right, what is the end goal of all this? What is what is the five thousand yard view? Three, four, five years from now, there's there's not these aren't stupid people that are doing these remarkably stupid things. What are they looking to accomplish? What is the end game here? I don't think anybody really knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. I mean, I think that uh, if you're Super left-leaning, you're, you're hoping for some sort of equality where everybody's the same, but that's not true because they want to be running stuff, right? And, and we don't really know who's really in charge. I mean, you, you hear Joe Biden, he's, I've been instructed to ask him the question. So no, we don't, we don't, know, we don't really oh, know. they're going to get mad at me if I answer questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when they shut him off in the middle. or you know, One of the things I thought was very interesting is the press's response to him turning around and just walking away versus Trump would sit there and just get annihilated where they're coming at him, coming at him, coming at him. He literally just be like, no more questions. Walk away, and they say thank you. It's like such a different thing. Pat, why, what, why? what do you think? What is the what is the ten thousand foot view? What is going on worldwide? You got right two now? types of people, man. Those who are driven by uh, uh, freedom, and those who are driven by control and force. It's power versus force. You know, there's two ways to get it. One is through choice. One is through force. Uh, those who are uh, driven by leave me alone, let me go build my life and do what I want to do and make my money. They typically piss off the people that want to control because they don't give them a time of day. And the other person eventually goes and finds a different way to gain their power. For example, the other day, I'm on the phone with Ford GT asking them for the GT, the, new, the GT, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the new Ford. The new yeah, the, the, whatever the GT is. The, the one from the movie Ford yeah, versus yeah. Ferrari. It's like a million auto car, but I'm on the list. Buy okay? stock and Ford. Got it. Check. So I'm on the phone with this guy. And I'm talking to the guy. I'm like, yeah, so, you know, uh, I've been on this list. year and a half. We're going back and forth. I'm like, here's this guy, Steve, all these guys that have vouched for me and, you know, uh, Galpin. And he says, yeah, I can't help you. And one-minute conversation, two-minute conversation, five-minute conversation, ten-minute conversation. And the guy's like, I can't do nothing for you. I can't help you. Is there anything else I can help you with? He's talking like this, right? You know, you know I get off the phone. You know what I said? He said, I said, a $20 an hour person has more power than I do. He has the power of no. Folks who work at DMV, 
who freaking get off of their job is to be able to tell you whatever the hell they want to tell you because they don't give a shit if you write a Yelp review for them. You got freedom people, you got control people. Freedom people want to be able to say, I don't like this restaurant, I'm going to buy this place and run it better. You don't want to do this, I'm going to buy this and I think I'm going to build it into a better home, better building. Everything to them is that. And then the other guys who are power hungry, who don't want to do the work of a capitalist will look and say, yeah, you know what, he's really pissing me off. He didn't respect me. He didn't follow my rule. He didn't follow my guideline. I'm going to create new laws. I'm going to go and make his life a living hell. Not by competing with you, but through laws. So this is a very interesting game, man. So you think it's like they want like a global one world government? I think it's control, buddy. I think it's a control game. I think the mission is to control the people they hate the most, which is the job creators. It's the capitalists. They can't stand the job creators because, look, you know uh, 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 my story. Like why, you just heard his story. Here's a guy that's talking about cocaine, heroin, all this other stuff, right? And now he's built a business, nearly half a billion dollar company. That we're talking about 250 employees. Yeah. And has an incredible life. Looks like himself, Channing right? Tatum. Sounds like Charles Bronson. <laughs> there you go. Could have so, been an actor. <laughs> Magic Aaron. Magic Aaron. Magic Singerman. That's what the nickname is. Moving forward. You got to get him a shirt. Magic Singerman or Magic Aaron. I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> Chief of staff. So you got guys that are like, look, you know, I'm going to go build my business. So in school, how many kids were supposed to be the guy? Like no, how no. many kids who were the, like valid, like, they follow the rules so well and mm-hmm. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be... And then next thing you know, this freaking kid that's a D student, C student, B student, like, and everybody in school is talking about that guy, and it was supposed to be that guy. You don't think that guy deep down inside, for 12 years, he's the guy. You just described for, all of Brooklyn. But for four years, this <laughs> yeah. guy's the guy. So yeah. then they're like, you know what? The way I'm going to get even yeah. by going and being a lawyer and creating laws, the way I'm going to get even by being a politician. It's a very How weird. How dare this plumber make more money than me? I have four degrees. I have four degrees. How dare this trucker degrees. make a quarter million yeah, dollars because, a year? I have my PhD. Because in their mind, they've been sold that everything with success starts with you having a degree. Yeah. So that paper is worth so much to them. So to, to be able to save that they sacrificed for eight years to follow the rules, yeah. now you mean to tell me those rules are a little bit broken? I'm, I cannot buy that. I have to protect my ego. I'm going to go after Dude, that's this guy. Such a, that is such a good point because that's literally what they're doing with the, with the VAX. So, they're like, well, they took it. So they're allowed to. They're, they they follow the rules. They can they can go to the restaurant. I mean, you're talking about Trudeau. Literally just said that the people that follow the rules get to live life, and the people that don't, they do not get to be in in our society. And it's like, whoa, dude. Like, who are you to even remark? You're the prime minister. How can you say something? I go back to your interview with uh, um, Jordan Peterson. You remember you asked him about it. And this was years ago. Before which, which one? Which question? Oh, but he you called him a weasel. Oh my God! He and this was out. before the world even knew who yeah, this you know, guy why don't you was. Pull the video? Go to YouTube. Type in uh, type in uh, Jordan Peterson and Justin Trudeau. And he just he just, he just won a uh, very hotly contested uh, re-election as type well. Type in Jordan, and then put Justin. Just put yeah, and then put Justin. There you go. That'll come up. Uh, how long? It's like it's a short clip. I think move off of it to see how long it is. Move, okay. Yeah, this had to be three, four years ago, yeah. man. Make it a little bit, make it bigger. Can you press mute on that, bro? Like, it's just, holy shit, David. <laughs> what the? Uh, David's pissed off at somebody. Sorry, man. sorry, you know, you sorry, hold, sorry hold Mamba USA. Okay, here you we gotta, go. Here we go. Pay. Listen, can we get audio now or no? You're not going to give okay. it to us? Oh, v- man who capitalized go back, go back a little bit. the name of his father. Go back a little. So I asked him what he thought. I did keep going back, keep going back. I asked him about, uh, I'm giving speed round, and I'm giving names. 
I said, what are your thoughts about Justin Trudeau? This is his answer. Click on it. Trudeau, Justin Trudeau. Um, that, I just shake my head at that. Okay. Oh, v man who capitalized without virtue on the name of his father. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes, wow is right. Wow. If he had an ounce of character, he would have never run. <laughs> Listen. I'm not happy about him. Un he had no right. Well, he had a right. He's a citizen. He can run. He didn't earn his name. Not impressed. Why do you say that? Is this specific? Because he, his father was very famous. Sure. And so that put Trudeau at a tremendous advantage with regards to moving into a leadership position in Canada. It's not excusable. You should move ahead on your own merits, especially if you're daring to do something like run a country. It's like, it's too, you, you have a moral duty. If you have the advantage of a name, you have a moral it. duty to supersede the accomplishments of the person who bore that name and gave it its weight before you dare capitalize on it in the public sphere. And there's, Trudeau did none of that. He, can, he knows how to behave. He knows how to act in public. He had the upbringing for it. Other than that, there's nothing there, not that I can see. And if there was, he wouldn't have run the way he did. He's not, not an impressive person in my estimation. Some strong opinions there, strong yeah, beliefs well, there. When he, he appointed 50% of females to 50% of his cabinet because it was, what do you say? It's, well, because it's 2015. It's like, no, quarter of your elected members of parliament were female. If you would, your job was to pick the most qualified people, period, regardless of their genitalia, because they're leading the country. You pick the most qualified people. Instead, he abdicated his responsibility to make those difficult decisions and then wallpapered it over with a, this casual virtue of, well, I'm going to promote women. It's like, no, you're going to promote competent people, you weasel. <laughs> no excuse you for You can it. pause it right there. I'm trying to hold myself from laughing. Look <laughs> at my face. Yeah, he, he is not a, I think it's fair to say he doesn't like uh, Justin Trudeau. Okay. Oh, congrats, Prime Minister, on, on, your, on your narrow victory. Yeah. Yeah, he really doesn't like him. Jesus. No, no, he, he really doesn't like <laughs> yeah. him. Man. You know, have you seen the story of how Jordan Peterson became Jordan Peterson? You mean like going to the Quora question and all that? And when, answering the... when he was in school and the trans uh, they, they, debate took place yeah. and he came out public about it. Next thing you know, he got tens of millions of views and then they interviewed him and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson becomes Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Next yeah. thing you know, he's in Dallas. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's in Dallas. Can we also give a shout out to Pat's hair, man? Your hair, phenomenal. You know, right? we're just it's looking at that. Yeah, it's come a long hair way since that. Hair looks absolute. Yeah. Comparing the two. Really good. Do you remember the conversation about China and 5G where everybody was talking about China, 5G, 5G, 5G? Yeah. China David, accounts right? for 40%. China accounts for 40% of 6G patent application survey says. So if you look at, uh, uh, and this is not even 5G. We're talking 6G, yeah. not 5 6G. Apparently, it's 10 times faster than 5G. So China's 6G development had been uh, expected to slow due to sanctions against Huawei imposed by the U.S. government under President Trump. But China has maintained its competitiveness by mobilizing state-run companies and universities. Around 20,000 patents applications were surveyed for nine core 6G technologies, including communication, quantum technology, base stations, and artificial intelligence. China topped the list with 40.3% of all 6G patent filings. Followed by U.S. is 35%, then Japan's 9.9%, then Europe 89 South Korea 4.2%. The upcoming generation of mobile communication technology, which is said to be more than 10 times faster than 5G, is expected to un enable fully autonomous driving, high-definition virtual reality, and worldwide Internet connections, even in remote deserts. Even in remote deserts. Why would China want to have... It's interesting. They're trying to control that, obviously, because... Can you imagine if, you know how uh, uh, Elon wanted to go out there and put the 
uh, what do you call it? Uh, satellite up there to be able wi-fi. to offer yeah. uh, Wi-Fi to everybody for free, and yeah. it was going to start off slow and all this other stuff. Guess what's the one country that wouldn't want that to become a reality? Yeah. It's China. China right. doesn't want that to become a reality. Are you kidding me? Free internet for me to be able to log on and see what's going it's on? It's more the freedom of information. Yeah. It's more the, the, the free flow of information. No, no doubt about it. They yeah. wouldn't want that to happen. Can, can you pull up 6G versus 5G? Everything I know about 5G and 6G, I'll be honest, I, I know from Valuetainment. You you spoke with, I believe it was a gentleman from the CIA about this. Uh, Spalding. Yeah, about a year. Yeah, General Spalding. Uh, about a year back, and he basically said, "If you let, uh, what is it, Hi- highway? How do you, uh, how do you pronounce that? Oh yeah, highway. Yeah, there, yeah. um, the, yeah. Huawei. Huawei. Yeah, Huawei. Yeah. Huawei. Yeah. Huawei. If he's like, if you let them in, then you, you've you've just given them all your information. They, they, all they do is just farm information. They come into these countries and they, they give them free access to, you know, free fiber optics, free satellite access, the free free internet, free everything. And what all they're doing is just taking all the information they possibly can. Here's what I want you to do: go back, type in in search." Uh, okay, go to images that you did. You did it right. Now go to images, and then click on the one all the way uh, uh, right there. The telecom network progression, bottom left, second row, right there. This tells you the difference. Click on it again to make it bigger so everybody can see it. Go a little higher. Go a little higher. Go a little higher. Right there. Plus control plus to make the screen a little bit bigger, and you can say no thanks to that. Okay. What is a T? All right, so here we go. One G introduction year was 1979. Terabyte? Watch this. It downloads a movie in six days. One G. Two G, 91, one movie in two and a half hours. Three G, one movie in two minutes. Four G, one movie in 20 seconds. Five G, one movie in uh, three movies in one second. Six G is 300 movies in one second. (laughs) This right here? This right here, 3G, that that was a game breaker for Napster, bro. When you could download 100 songs on LimeWire and Napster until you gave yourself 15 viruses on your computer, that was a game changer. I don't even think that's accurate, though. 3G, I never got a movie in two minutes. One downloaded a movie in two minutes. Depends on what type of movies, man. It says says three gigabyte movies. There's there's some movies on some sites that begin with X that you know you only need but three four minutes of the movie. What about three gigs? Because three gigs right right now on five G won't take you one second. Shout shout out uh, to to the great um, Miss Benz for for her many great performances on the movies that I would download. (laughs) And uh, well, we can tell what you did, uh, you know. how do you, th- how do you think I got these forearms, no, Aaron? I can, I can tell this shit. <laughs> At least don't reveal it to everybody. Keep your secrets to yourself. By the way, you know what would be very weird? If they mandated masks and porn. It'd be very... Uh, uh, <laughs> that's when you know we're going to lose the country, if that happens. I'm, I'm sure that there's happens. some porns where people masks. wear masks. I'm sure. Yeah. Masked and unmasked porn. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure for, for people that want to keep it appropriate. Yeah. You, you have to, for, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be safe. You got to be safe. Wasn't yeah. there some uh, guidance about like doing it doggy style with, with like, oh, man. to avoid? I think there was something from I California. Have, I have an unbelievable story about. It. I can't tell it on this podcast because I, I think we'll get kicked off. But I, I have an unbelievable story about that. Wait, did you did you bring a mask? <laughs> I, told, I, I told him the story. I was oh, yeah. I was dating this. I was dating this girl. She was a ballerina in Brooklyn, and they put out a. De Blasio's health department put out yeah, a list it. of do's and don'ts, and she, well, beautiful girl, but hyper, hyper, hyper crazy with this stuff, and she was going to follow these do's or don'ts, and 
She was, I'm not going to get Keep crazy it to yourself. It. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. You can <laughs> tell us afterwards. By the way, Manny Pacquiao running for president. Is it likely that he could win? Manny Pacquiao how, running for president. Can, can he, he win? Not? What? What? what, what? You're going to think like, next thing you're going to tell me like a reality AP star News. could be president of the United States or something. It's crazy. He's running for president 2022. I'm a fighter and I will always be a fighter inside and outside the ring. We need government to serve our people with integrity, compassion, and transparency. The current president, Rodrigo Duterte, has led a brutal campaign against illegal drugs and said last week he would rather die first before facing an international tribunal A tribunal uh, the day after the International Criminal Court announced it would investigate allegations of crimes against humanity linked to the crackdown that has left thousands dead. Can you imagine Pacquiao becomes a president? I mean, he's got to be the most popular guy there, right? Oh, he's, he's been, who's, a, con- he's been, be a, he's been a congressman. He's yeah. been a congressman there for a long time. I wouldn't um, be surprised at all. He's not. I don't think he's going to be the only uh, fighter that's that's uh, president of a country. Apparently, uh, I believe it's Vladimir Klitschko. One of the Klitschko brothers is being positioned uh, for a run at the Ukraine hmm. uh, as well. So, hey, look, man. Um, I don't know enough about Filipino politics to to comment on it, but he's a. Beloved. I was waiting to get your level of expertise in politics. You know, I, I'm I was, sorry. I, you know, I used to know Tagalog, but I, I just, I, I, yeah. But I would say this though: like one of the things about the future, right, is goes all the way back to what you said before: brand first, right? Like brand first. Manny Pacquiao's brand is incredibly strong. He's known as a person of integrity. He's known as somebody that that you know it, it cares about the community. And Pat, you talk about a synergist, right? Like he's not a catalyst. He's not somebody that's going to turn one side against the other, as far as I know. So, you know, maybe this is the future. We're laughing about it now, but maybe the future is popular people who care about their own their own brand, so they're not going to do something crazy and out of character, that can bring the two powerful sides together. Maybe maybe instead of fighting this and looking at, you know, Pat talking about how Jake Paul is going to be president and AOC is going to be president. Logan, it, Logan, Logan I'm sorry. We, yeah. We've got to embrace... The reality of the situation being that, hey, look, man, this is the, the quote-unquote new normal, and maybe there's a good thing that can come out of this. Maybe there's synergy to be had by people that are universally liked being in positions of power. I think, you know, it's been proven since Reagan, right? I mean, you got a guy like Reagan who goes from being a SAG president to being the, the spokesperson for GE, and they were paying him seven fifty to a million a year to go around talking about how great GE is to mm-hmm. him uh, uh, doing Hollywood and then becomes a governor. You know, and then like, becomes president. Likeability. Well, I don't know, man. Because likability isn't really a, a useful a useful trait in a leader, right? Like, you have to be disagreeable. I think it's a useful trait to be, be likable. I mean, you know, George Bush Jr., everybody said he wants to have a beer. Who do you want to have a beer with? George Bush, you know? Yeah, I can so. see. I can see why people vote for likable people. Yeah. You know, but I, I mean, just being don't a know. Good if leader, being a good leader, being being in a, in a position of leadership. You guys both run com- companies. Some, you can't. You can't be. It's buddy, like buddy you, with everybody. Trust you. Want to be in business with you, right? People gotta like you. Yeah, people because follow you. Think yeah. about it this way: What's more important, like or trust? Which comes first, like or trust? I gotta like, like you to trust. There you, you go. Yeah. So, so before you could be the most trusting human being in the world, but yeah. no one likes you. Because your first impression sucks, I'm sorry, we're never going to find out the juice you offer, which is trust. Totally. Yeah, so likability is extremely uh, important in business. This is one of my problems with Robert Greene. Really, really smart guy, and I, and I, I love his work. But like 48 Rules of Power, th- there should have been a caveat at the beginning that's like, unless you know how to be charismatic, this is just 48 ways to be a jerk. Like unless I, I, you can like be that. charismatic. Did you like the book or no? no Why no. don't you like the book? Because it's too uh, dark. It's, yeah, it's, it's like uh, 
how to achieve um, in a very negative way, right? It's, you don't have to follow those rules. You don't have to do it that way. It's kind of like a manipulative guide to manipulation and, and winning through uh, power. And I just didn't like it. I mean, I read it, but I, and I thought well, some of it was true for sure. But I don't think that I certainly won't give my son Asher that book and be like, read this. This is the rules to like the rules to life, like Jordan. You know, read this is the rules to power. I wouldn't because I wouldn't want him to live his life that way. You know what his reason was to write the book? He said he wrote it for you to know how those people run to go against them. Mm. Not necessarily for you to be like that, but for... But it was kind of a guide. Though. I agree yeah. with he you. He wrote it so, as But a he guide, said that, sure. but I agree with you. Have you read his other books? He wrote a book, uh, uh, Art of Seduction. I don't know if you've read it. No. It's a ridiculous book. It's, a, it's an incredible book, Art of Seduction. Then you got 33 Strategies of War. It's my favorite out of all of them, 33 Strategies of War. Law number four is insane. You got a big shout out from Andy Young about the power of... Uh, um, uh, about um, pa- what was it? Paranoid. Uh, pa- uh, only the paranoid survive. Only, he, he said it was Andy the, Grove. Yeah, he said it was the best book he ever read. Oh, wrote it's, it's it's a ridiculous book. Yeah. Andy Grove is a legend for what he did. People swear by Andy Grove. Andy Grove is a one of a kind leader on what he did. By the way, did you hear what Barr warned Trump of that he was going to lose the election? Did you guys hear the story on Insider? Let me read it to you. Barr warned Trump that he would lose the election because of suburban voters. Just think you're an effing asshole, book says, to Trump, okay? Attorney General Barr took a blunt approach with President Trump in April 2020 while discussing his re-election chances. The crux of the problem, Barr told Trump, was that most suburban Republican voters just think you're, you're an effing asshole, according to the new book, Bob Woodward. By the way, Bob Woodward's got to sell like 20 million copies of his <laughs> book. Every other day, something like this comes out of his book. Yeah. The Attorney General went on to tell the president, that he had become a beltway captive and needed to appeal to the broader group of voters than just his diehard base. Barr reportedly told Trump that suburban Republican voters don't give a shit about Trump's vendetta against his perceived foes. Do you mm-hmm. agree? I think I think approaching him that way is it makes sense. I think that uh, as long as he's solution-oriented, you know, he's not just coming in and saying everybody thinks you're an asshole. Nobody's going to like that. But if he came in with a solution and a suggestion, I think being blunt with Trump, uh, if you have his respect, which obviously William Barr at the time did probably, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it makes sense to come at him like that versus, uh, you know, kind of pandering to him or whatever. I don't know if that would work. How do you think Trump reacted when he said that? Do you think he's kind of like, I don't think so. I disagree. Or do you think like you think so? Tell me why. Like, what do you think his response was? Um, or did he say, hang on, I'm sending a tweet. Like, <laughs> he said, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> uh, he, 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 if I if, I'd say Trump would probably say, OK, you know, Bill, Bill, what what election did you ever win? <laughs> I can see him whatever like, what election that. did you you don't know what you're talking about and that's also with all due respect to, to Bill Barr who I, who I liked it's full of shit that's not why he lost he didn't lose his fervent he lost because he let uh, he, he did all this bluster all right, he he talking, uh, you know talk is cheap is why he lost first of all if, if he even lost but not, not to go there but the talk is cheap is why he lost because Fauci is still there he should have got rid of Fauci he had Fauci Fauci was was full of it. He should have got rid of it. Sexiest him. man alive. Sexiest bro. man alive. Freaking incredible six pack. After all of this big talk and bluster, after all of this, you know, late night tweets about do one thing and we'll yeah. f you up. He lets an army of Starbucks baristas completely take the country by force. Every city they plant their flag sixty feet wide in front of every Capitol building in America. If you're going to be a law and order guy, and then you lose law and order, well, they they call this bluff. He was a populist. He waited for the polls to tell him what to do, and then he reacted. So they were able to make him do whatever they wanted every time. He, he, he led from behind. I think, that's I think, why he lost. I think he, the two reasons, I think, really, the one reason he definitely lost is 
Corona 19, right? The coronavirus is why I lost. If you look at like the polls before, I like the, uh, I always like the betting polls because the betting polls, you know, these are guys putting money on the line. He was 99% favorite, 99 to 1 favorite before coronavirus in January. Coronavirus happened. We see what happens. There's a 91% favorite th- with three hours to go in the. In the well, <laughs> yeah, I agree. But the, that that shows you that he lost because of the. If the coronavirus hadn't happened, he would still be president. I no think doubt. everybody agrees on no, that. No, no, no. Left, doubt. right, middle, everybody yeah, agrees. He would have yeah. won. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing, you know, the thing that, you know, is he, he, he is. The reason why people liked him initially is because he's unfiltered, right? He says what he thinks, he's what he means, he means what he says, and he has very little filter. And I think that eventually that may help him get elected, but it also helped people really dislike him. Where you know people like like my mom again would say he's a bully, he's a mean guy, he's a bad man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and too many people started feeling that way because he would tweet like that constantly. You know, universally you known, orange man is bad. Yeah, orange man is bad, right? Orange so I think bad. if you would have done way less of that and, and just let his actions do more of the speaking, I think that would have helped. Um, but he did run into the coronavirus, and I don't know how you could come out of that positively. I mean, he was getting crap for. Shutting down the the planes to China, and yeah. they were all saying he's a you know xenophobe and all this stuff. Um, so he could he could people were like well he could have shut it down earlier. Well then what would happen? He'd have been more of a xenophobe if he would have immediately like let's say two weeks before he could shut it down. Mm-hmm. He shuts down all air travel into America. Mm-hmm. People would think he was crazy. They want yeah. they want to get rid of him. Well, this is the thing though, that, like that exactly what you're saying. They they kept going back and forth on well people are going to think well people are going to think right. well what 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 were you going to get it right Donald. Yeah. Was the press going to be like, you know what, Donald? You no. got this one right. No way. You're not a racist. Absolutely. You nailed it. So like that that right there yeah. is my reasoning for why he lost. He lost because he kept trying to kowtow to the people that were never going to vote for him in the first place. Yeah. He, as soon as they as soon as soon they tore down the first statue, we should have been like, all right, bet, Rico. <laughs> Rico, let's go. You got federal case. Yeah. Any one of you guys destroys a single thing on federal ground, your ass is mine. And then any organization you were part of, conspiracy. Rico, you guys want to play this game? Okay. We'll round you up. All right. And I'm a libertarian saying that. Yeah. Okay? Because the non-aggression principle doesn't it's not pacifism, dude. All right. If people are coming in to be intentionally, you know, it, it's sedition to me. It was treasonous. It was it was sedition. And the business owners in those communities needed to be protected. And if those politicians in those communities weren't going to protect these people, somebody had to. And that's what he said he was going to do, and he didn't do it. So in, 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 a, in many ways, I feel like he deserved to lose. Whether you can question the legitimacy of it or not, he deserved to lose because he all that tough talk, he didn't follow through. He didn't get the job done. What part, of, what part are you saying? Like with, uh, with the riots and all this stuff? You absolutely. 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 The problem is, is there's no right answer to that, right? If he would have done that, he would have probably lost just as bad. You know, how would he? I how disagree that, completely. He would have won if he came in. And, I disagree and, completely. I also think that he, he let his opponents have too much free reign. As soon as, as soon as this, I, I knew that this thing was done. As soon as the Supreme Court in in Pennsylvania changed the rules right. so that votes could be counted like two weeks after the election, and that people that that didn't live in the state, their votes would still be counted. I was like, okay, they're they're literally they're legally rigging this thing. Yeah, Le- legally. So then, what was the pushback? Shh. Uh, can you do me a favor and pull up the uh, the uh, what do you call it the story between Rogan and uh, uh, what's his name um, what's the Rogan Howard Stern story if you can pull that up uh, interesting interesting somebody told me something very interesting yesterday I'm not I'm not saying this you know folks at YouTube I'm just telling you I looked at the statistic statistic I was I thought it was interesting so Howard Stern says we have no time for idiots in this country anymore Howard Stern defends Joe Rogan's criticism. Uh, defends those criticizing Joe Rogan. So Harrison remains unimpressed with Joe Rogan 
specifically with his preferred treatment for COVID-19. Well, maybe incensed would be a better word to use, as Stern very openly and heatedly criticized the podcast during his serious XM radio show criticism, of which he continues to stand by, uh, that his audio was on Rogan began to speak on ivermectin. Uh, CNN. Okay, keep going, Lord. They keep saying, I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company, said Rogan. They won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for using human beings, and CNN is saying, I'm taking horse dewormer. They must be. It's a lie. And then this leads to, uh, in fact, Stern uh, deemed those who won't get vaccinated as shitheads. Uh, needless to say, Yahoo Entertainment wants to comment. Look, Stern got himself some criticism. All I said was everyone should get the vaccine. It should be mandatory. This brought down a slew of publicity like I haven't even seen ever before. It's mind-blowing. We're trapped in a country with imbeciles. He continued, guess what? When we get COVID, we don't end up in hospitals. So we don't overload hospitals. So what did I say? We have no time for idiots in our country anymore. Rogan has yet to address Stern's comments. By the way, it's a couple things here. One, you know, Howard Stern's probably not too happy that Rogan's kicking ass. Okay? <laughs> I mean, true. that's number one. Let's uh, just yeah. face Stern, it. Stern I mean, used to say that podcasts aren't radio. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're bullshit. He you know, the other day I watched a, a, a Michael Schumacher's documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen Michael Schumacher's documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's a must-watch. I'm oh. a big Senna fan. If you haven't watched Schumacher's, I've watched Senna's documentary a hundred times. Watch Schumacher's the other. It's an hour and 54 minutes. And uh, he, he says some very interesting things. One of the things he said, he said... um, he said, I don't like to brag about my things because you'll call me cocky, but I also don't talk about my weaknesses because it's your job to find my weaknesses, not mine. Schumacher says that, which is powerful to say that. But then there's a part of it when Schumacher's coming up and he passes up uh, Senna, where Senna gets a little bit uncomfortable about it, you know, where there's a, you know, Schumacher takes a cut, you know, cuts him off, and Senna get, loses his mind, goes to Schumacher afterwards with his hand on his shoulder. You don't do something like this. And Schumacher loses his mind saying, I'm just doing what you did to everybody. This is what you used to do. Play to you, win the game. You, you told people play to win the game. I'm doing that. I'm doing what you showed us to do, right? I think there's a part of it. Stern is not happy with the fact that Rogan's probably coming up and is taking his lunch. And quite frankly, Rogan's more attractive and more uh, uh, versatile than a Howard Stern is. Oh, yeah. I don't know what Howard Stern does for fun. I don't know if he goes shooting, you know, hunting, UFC, all this other stuff. People probably link Rogan to more yeah. of a man's man and Howard Stern in, more, in a different thing. He's much thing. more diverse. You know, he, he has something to say on everything, whereas... You know, Howard Stern was a shock jock, you know, and, and he's turned into whatever he is now. You so know? I, I did a, I used to do a couple shows with Jackie, the joke man, Martin, who was yeah. with Howard Stern. Yeah. And there was a dude who wanted to do this investment. And I was like, I don't know. And we were in Times Square. This is anecdotal. He'll probably say I'm lying. It's 100% true. We're in Times Square. Okay. People were going by. I wanted to show him the power of social media and digital media and this and that. People were going by. I would just grab him and go, hey, can I ask you a question? Like, what's up? I'm like, do you know who Howard Stern is? And guys that were over 40 would be like, what is this, a stupid question? Of course I know who Howard Stern is. I was like, okay, my bad, my bad. Then I'd grab somebody that was like 25 or younger. I'd be like, hey, man, you know who Howard Stern is? They were like, nah, I don't know. Who's Howard Stern? Like, they would have no idea. If you went around this office and we work in media and everybody here is on the news all day, anybody under 30 years old, I would, I would bet one in 10 would know who Howard Stern is. Mm -hmm. know what he does, can name one thing that he's famous for. Meanwhile, how many people in that office under 30 know who Joe Rogan is? Everybody. So come on. Yeah, do me a favor. Pull up uh, cases by countries. Put COVID cases by country. This will be the last topic and we'll wrap up. Tapping COVID cases by country. COVID cases by country. Uh, yeah, there you go. Click on that. The first one will come up. Uh, uh, no, not that one. What's the, is that the main website to look at? It's one of those two is the one. See if it's that one. Okay, right there. That's the one. Uh, so, so far, 231 million cases worldwide, 4.73. View, view by country. Go view by country right there in the green at the top, right underneath the 231 million, under the 231 million. Sorry, sorry, 
go a little higher right there, buddy. You got it. Okay. So U.S. has 43 million total cases. India's got what? 33 million cases. Total death. Can you go by percentage of death? Do they do that here or no? Percentage of death. You okay. mean of the, of the population? Yeah. So if you look at 700 divided by uh, 43 million. Let me do some math. Well, if you can go back. 700,000 by 333 million. Yeah. So 700,000 by 33 million. But uh, if, you, if you go, I'm more curious about how many got it and how many recovered, not necessarily the population. So go back up. Um, 446. No, where you are right now is fine. Uh, uh, let me check here. All right, let's do 446 as a total death in India divided by 33,592, okay? Because there's a website that says India has the lowest, the 160th mm-hmm. lowest death percentage on COVID. Yeah, because it has a billion point, th- a billion point four people. So, you know, you know, from the people that get it, versus dying in India, it's not only one, it's 0.01%. Is there a country that's conspicuously missing from this list by any chance? (laughs) Yeah, China's not on this list. North Korea? 135 (laughs) 135 on 7 million. Yeah, so there's studies on why. Reuters did a study, by the way. Reuters did a study, the fact that India made it public that all of India's populace can take ivermectin to fight uh, COVID. I don't know if you looked at this or not. That's what India said. It's like on Reuters. If you type that up, and they're saying that's one of the reasons, and there's a big battle going up with that to say that's not the reason why they're doing well. Anyways, I don't know. That's just a conversation that came up last night. I mm-hmm. wanted to verify that uh, on the podcast here. But th- Final th- thoughts is, before we wrap this up. Is, this is what science was for the longest time. I mean, one of the things that scares me I'd want to find else. the stats, by the way, but it's okay. Keep going. Yeah, one of the things that scares me more than anything else is this idea that they, they say the science is settled. Like, the science was never settled. Can you imagine if, you know, if, if somebody like Einstein didn't do the theory of relativity? He goes like, well, you know, the science is settled, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Like, hey, you know, the, the, the Earth's flat, guys. Science is settled. I don't, yeah, I will no reason you. for us to my go seven, forward with this stuff. My 79-year-old dad got COVID. Mm-hmm. And pneumonia simultaneously, mm. and he was down for two or three weeks. He had the vaccine earlier this year. If he didn't have it, I don't know if he'd be around or not. Mm-hmm. And Joe and I both agree on that. I think there is a good amount Guys, of debate this, I, I, in that topic. So I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not anti-vax, man. I've, I'm vaccinated in, in so many ways. I'm not anti-science in any way whatsoever, man. This could be the greatest medical miracle of all time. I think Brett Weinstein's right. Uh, you know, not to give a, a free plug, but you know, talking about the evolutionary uh, science of this, rolling it out while this thing is still active, it's going to have mutations. That's why we keep needing different boosters. So that that there's a problem in, involved with rushing this stuff out. The idea that they say that. That there's no issues with anything, but it's only been nine months old is crazy. But if I can, okay. Pat, give a free plug. I'm going to be in uh, Nashville this weekend doing shows at Zany. So if anybody's in Nashville wants to check out a comedy, I'm show, going to be in Nashville too. Yeah? yeah, you're going to be in Nashville, yeah, man. If you got a, well, if you got Sunday, you should come out to a show on will. Will. at Zany's with uh, Carolyn. How Javik. do they find? How do they find the show? Just like? come, uh, come go on my uh, my Instagram on uh, Gerard DGAF uh, at Gerard DGAF. And they can uh, they can find the link. In Give it to me again at Gerard. Yep. D G A F. D G A F. Okay, I put that there. If you look at it, go to Thanks, his uh, Instagram. If you're in Nashville, go watch uh, Gerard this Sunday. 
and give him some love. With that being said, Aaron, appreciate you coming out, buddy. This was great. Really enjoyed it. Really had a good time. That's what you call an awkward hug, but it's all good. We got it on camera. Take care, everybody. We'll do it again next week. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.